I understand, Nigel, you and David originally started the band uh, back in, when was it, 1964? Well, before that, we were in different groups. I was in a group called The Creatures, which was a skiffle group. I was in Lovely Lads. Yeah. And then we looked at each other and said, so well, no, we might as well join up, you know. And, uh, so we became uh, the originals. Right. And uh, we had to change our name, actually. Well, there's, yeah. a, there's another group in the East End called the Originals, and uh, we had to rename ourselves. And the new Originals. New Originals, yeah. and then uh, they became... The Regulars. They changed their name back to the Regulars, and we thought, well, we could we could go back to the Originals about what's the point. But we became the Thamesmen at that point. Your first drummer was... Uh, the John Stumpy Peeps. Oh, yeah. Great, great, uh, tall, blonde geek with glasses. Yeah. Uh, good drummer. Great look. Good drummer. Good, yeah. Good yeah, drummer. Fine. What happened to him? He died. He he died in a bizarre gardening accident some years back. It's so really one of those things. It was, you know, the authorities said, you know, best leave it, you know, unsolved, yeah. really. You know. And he was replaced by uh, Stumpy Joe. Eric Stumpy Eric Joe. Child. And what happened to Stumpy Joe? Well, uh, it's not a very pleasant story, but. No. Uh, uh, he, he died, uh, he choked on, uh, the, the official explanation was he choked on vomit. It's actually, he uh, away. It was actually someone else's vomit. It's not... Exactly. <laughs> you know, there's no real... Uh, well, they can't you know, prove still... whose vomit it was. They no. never, they don't have no, facilities no in Scotland no Yard to print that. You can't really dust for vomit. Now, during the flower people period, who was your drummer? Stumpy's replacement, Peter James Bond, he also died in mysterious circumstances. We were playing uh, a uh, festival, festival, and uh, it was tragic, really. He exploded on stage. Just like that? He just went up. He just was like a flash of green light, and that was it. Nothing was left. It was, face. Well, there was. It's that, true. This, it was this true. really did There's happen. a little green globule on his drum seat. Like a stain, really. It was, it was a more of a stain than a globule, yeah. actually. And you know, it was several, you know, dozens of people spontaneously combust each year. It's just not really widely reported right. yet. It is four minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five, and this is the month of April in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed and somewhat overlit studios of Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. We're here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. And uh, it's a pleasure to uh, be joined by all of you this morning. It is Wednesday, and welcome to Day 12. Uh, if you would like to interact with us this morning, it's 503-733-2970. 503 733 970 with your comments, questions, clarifications, conventions, ruminations, ponderings, amusements, whatever it is uh, you might have today. 503 733 2970. Greg Nibbler is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah with an H at kufo.com. Tim at kufo.com. Or at Nibbler at kufo.com. Com. I have to make this observation right now. There are one, two, three. There are four light bulbs in the studio, and I guess one of them burned out yesterday, this morning. Something. Tim, when did this light bulb burn out over here? I guess it happened overnight. And so we came in this morning, and by we I mean uh, Tim. 
came in this morning before everybody else, uh, preparing the news as he does for the people. And so is there a secret cache of light bulbs that I don't know about? There, there used to be in the back room, but I, I took the last one. Excellent. Good for you. Because we're the last people in here, really. Sort of like we're the Omega Man of radio, Tim. We're the, the last station on Earth. So there's four light bulbs. And if you've never seen the studio where we are, like if you've never seen photos of it or anything, we're, we're in a studio that is basically like the set of the Charlie Rose show, where in the middle there's this, there's this sort of pool of light where all the magic happens. And then if you get more than two feet away from the countertop at any point, you're just plunged into a chasm of blackness. It becomes sort of like this black hole. And no light can escape from the corners of the studio. So if you're not in the middle of the room, it's very, very dark. So if one light bulb goes out, the whole thing is just a shambles. Uh, I mean, it, 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 all four light bulbs have got to be on. They've got to be functioning. And that's just the right amount of light. Uh, one light bulb too many, and then it, it becomes very glary. One light bulb too few, you can't see anything. So Tim came in, and one of the light bulbs is burned out. And so you went, and I, I asked if it was a secret cache of light bulbs, and I guess that's a redundant question, because if it's secret, then by definition, not everybody knew about it. So you went, and you fished the last light bulb out, and you put it in. And I yeah, would say... I, I think it's one of the... The lights that belongs at the top of the tower. It's like a fifty thousand watt light bulb. It's like a hundred. It's like a hundred times brighter but, but than the, everything else in the studio. But, but the good news for Sir X Dillon, who's now burning under it, is this light bulb will last ten thousand hours. That's what it says on the Which box. is great. You don't Thank have to God. worry about it burning up. So, so Tim and I, if we were to look at the studio today. There's basically three quad. Uh, there's three sections to the studio today. There's the area where Tim is sitting, which is lit normally. There's the area where I am sitting, which is lit normally. And then there's Sarah, who looks like she's in Guantanamo Bay, about to have her fingers slammed in a drawer. It's like Jack Bauer ought to be leaning over you, about to apply electrodes to a sensitive part of your body. I mean, all that's missing is that guy from V for Vendetta putting you in a black bag and then beating you with a baton. So... That is the brightest light bulb I think it I've ever really seen. It is really bright. And not only is that bright, but like there's glass all over here, too, because Tim and I... <laughs> we'll be, uh, well, I did. I tried to change the light bulb myself, and then the other one fell and smashed. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. How many people does it take to change a light bulb? More than two. <laughs> so your work area is overlit, covered in broken glass. What a way to start the morning. <laughs> and apparently while you were uh, trying to change the light bulb this morning, you stirred up a huge cloud of dust, so everybody is sneezing this morning. <laughs> yes, basically. <laughs> it's the best day ever. That's great. And incidentally, this my final thought on this is that the light bulb that is directly above Sarah is so bright that we actually had to turn and point it directly at the ceiling so that none of us can act. Because the bare exposed bulb is so unbelievably overcharged that if you see any of it, it just blinds you. And then there are little white dots everywhere you look. Also, mysteriously, it's a different color than all the other light bulbs. The, other, the rest of these light bulbs are sort of... This looks like an outdoor light bulb. It, well, it's like a really, really... Um, overly lit version of one of those Al Gore light bulbs that has that strange sort of icy white brightness to it. So, well, the good news is there it's going to be it, it's going to work forever apparently because it'll last for you know for ten thousand hours. So, yes, that's great. All right, the ones I buy at home last for a day if I'm lucky. All the better to illuminate your hands so that you can pick up pieces of shattered light bulb from your fingertips. That's wonderful. All right. Well, it is uh, Wednesday, and welcome to Day 12. It is 503-733-2970. Uh, here's what's coming up today. We're going to be talking to actress Ali Larder. Ali? Ali? Ali. It's one of those things that I see written down. Don't ever say it out loud. Her real name is Allison, so she goes by Ali. Ali Larder. Uh, and so Sarah and I were talking yesterday. Sarah calls me. She goes, hey, we've got Ali Larder tomorrow in the 6 o'clock hour. And I said, that's great. That's wonderful. 
Who is that? And then you described her exactly the right way. I will do my best not to uh, not to refer to her in this way when she's on the phone today. But she's the she is the whipped cream bikini girl from Varsity Blues. Mm-hmm. I am at some point during the interview going to say I don't want your life just because because <gasps> I have to because I don't I don't care I mean it, she must hear that all the time I did read a question about the whipped cream bikini I want to know exactly what it was made out of Hey that's a good and and how did it stay on did it like uh, did it sort of what's the, you know like melt away under the under yeah, the lights I wonder if it was like shaving cream on the or set. something do, I wonder if they use a special sort of I wonder if they use a special substance that doesn't just immediately just turn to, you know, mm. just turn to liquid and sort of drip off of you. So if you see Varsity Blues and James Vanderbeek uh, or whoever is over at the house and then she comes out and she's in the whipped cream bikini and she's like, you see anything you like or whatever <laughs> it is she says. Uh, so And then she's also on Heroes and she's in the new movie Obsessed. And here's the reason you care about the movie Obsessed. It has her, it has Beyonce, and it's also got Idris Elba, who played Stringer Bell on The Wire. So it's a combination of all great things. So, Ali Larder today, uh, we'll have part three of our exclusive three-part interview uh, with Harry Shearer of Simpsons and Spinal Tap uh, fame. And today, he's going to reveal his favorite Simpsons voice, uh, the voice he enjoys performing the most. And I've deduced, this is going to be my James Lipton question that I end all my interviews with. Maybe not all, but a lot. You know, if I if I have sort of a long, in depth interview session with somebody, because James Lipton has that whole thing uh, where he he reads that questionnaire at the end of Inside the Actor's Studio, where he lists off the what is your favorite curse word and just all of those. It's sort of a stock series of seven questions, which is uh, which is fantastic, and it's a great little gimmick. And plus, it's become sort of his trademark, and somebody kind of preps for it. My variation on that, uh, if we're interviewing anybody who sort of seems like they have their act together, like intellectually. I'm going to ask them what their uh, what punctuation or grammar uh, error irritates them the most. Mm. That's going to be the question I bring out for somebody who seems like they have an answer to like that. Like a semicolon? Except, well, but like a misuse of the semicolon. Oh. Like it would They're be, supposed to be used sparingly. Uh, and they are in place of what two words, Tim? The semicolon takes the place of what words in the English language commonly? I don't know. And or but? Uh, that's exactly correct. Were you just bluffing? Well, you just took a wild guess. That's exactly <laughs> right. The semicolon takes the place of the words but or and and is to be used sparingly. I don't use it sparingly, by the way. I use it all the time. Me too. Semicolons and ellipses, my friends. That's what stands between us and chaos. I um, do abuse their use. Let's see. Uh, so Harry Shearer, the third part of that interview today. Lisa Desjardins from uh, CNN Radio uh, Capitol Hill uh, will join us because I guess it's Earth Day. Which is sort of confusing. I thought it was yesterday. See, I thought the day it was before Monday. That, the day See, before that. And we have that conversation uh, every year about every single April. We have the discussion about what freaking day Earth Day is. Because I thought it was the 20th, which was what? Was that yesterday? Monday. Monday. But not, but, but, so it, but then somebody else said it was yesterday. And then I think actually according to the CNN prep sheet, let's see. This is, I swear to God. Okay, CNN, the uh, the premier news gathering and disseminating organization uh, for this country, says it's Earth Day, and Congress could get its hands dirty as Democrats have chosen the day for the first hearing on climate change. I don't care about climate change. Uh, I mean, the, the actual issue or a discussion. You're going of it. to after all the obese people eat all the food, and you're left with nothing. <laughs> I don't think that's you were an warned issue. yesterday. <laughs> I don't know that I don't know that that's climate change as it's defined by scientists. You know, climate change, like when that guy goes ahead of you at the rib buffet and you get up there and there's nothing but salad. You know, climate change. Anyway, the CNN actually says Democrats have chosen today, Earth Day, to discuss climate change. So we all thought it was yesterday. The calendar says it was Monday. CNN says it today. All right, and CNN spare wins. me the every day is Earth Day joke. 
It really isn't. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, what else? So Lisa Desjardins and Steve Kastenbaum will join us today about that nutcase uh, Craigslist killer uh, alleged. Uh, let's see. What else? Geek Watch coming up today. Monkey Watch coming up today. And we're going to be giving away a copy of American Swing on DVD. Take a walk on the wilder side of New York City in the 70s with his long look into the world's most famous sex club, Plato's Retreat. American Swing, a no-holds-barred exploration of the 70s. Available now on DVD from Magnolia Home Entertainment. Um, we're joined today, as always, by the uh, lovely and overlit Sarah Dillon. Hello, how are Hello. you? Hello. It's blinding. Hey, by the way, I just have to say your Twitter uh, thing that you sent out. Yeah, I saw it this morning, but I guess you sent it yesterday afternoon or something. It's fantastic. I don't have it in front of me, but it said something like, Sarah Dillon is you know, living the dream. Not really. I'm badly burned. <laughs> yeah, I wrote at the pool with friends living the dream, kind of. I'm very badly burned. You don't look badly burned. No, I'm a little burned. Like, my neck is. I, um, my you friend... will be after sitting under that light. Seriously, <laughs> you look like, like a, 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 a Macy's window display with that thing. <laughs> it is like a tanning bed over here, covered in shards of glass. That's fantastic. Oh, classy. Um, yeah, yesterday... See, everyone always says that it's so rough, you know, having to wake up so early, but it I is. like waking up early because I get to spend all day at the pool when yes. it's all sunny and all my friends, you know, get to sleep in until, like, you know, 9 or whatever. But you know what? I'm off at 9 and I can just sit and bask in the sun. So yesterday, sat next to the pool, sunned myself. It's going to be my tropical summer. I'm going to try and get tan and ordered pizza and didn't even leave the pool. Did you tell me that they delivered actually to you at the pool? They delivered uh, to my friends and I at the pool. I didn't Fantastic. even get out of the pool. See, that's what America's all about right there. I'm God sitting by a pool. America. Bring me a pizza. I mean, that's, and you know, a pizza, America really is the land of, of, uh, in a relative sense, at least con contrasted with a lot of the rest of the world, we've certainly got our problems. But America really is the land of equality. Because you know what? If you've got $20, a guy will bring a pizza to you while you sit by your swimming pool. Yep. That's it. Doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your, uh, you know, what are they, your, your color, creed, race, nationality, whatever, that whole list of things that you have to sign at work saying you won't make fun of people for them. If you've got 20 bucks, doesn't matter about any stuff. A guy will bring you a pizza. That's all he cares about is if you've got the cash. That is what makes America great. It was amazing. It was, and it was, oh, it was such a good pizza, too. That's uh, totally worth it. It is, uh, and it's from a place that we, I won't, probably shouldn't say yeah. it, but it's, uh, it's from a place that I ordered from. It's a, it's a place right near my home where they know us by name, Laura and I, and I guess because I'm not going to identify it, I will say this. This is what a fat ass I am. The, the pizza place actually revealed to me that we order so much pizza, they move us to the head of the line. So Laura and I call. They're like, well, of course, monsieur. Would you like to be first? And they put me right at the Is at that the front. French pizza? No. It's, but, I'm just, <laughs> but like in my head, it's like a guy like yeah. twirling his mustache and say, because they know that, uh, that, we're, that we're good for many more pizzas. So No, that is some of the best pizza I've had in a really, really long time. Quite something. Yeah. Aww. I'm a big fan of that place. It was heaven. But now I feel like squishy today from eating so much like gross pizza. Yes. Yes. Well... You wouldn't know anything about that. I right? But since you're under a tanning lap that's roasting the pounds away by sitting underneath it, you don't have to. Seriously, <laughs> since you're over there in a sweat box. All right. I guess, well, yeah, fat does tan quicker. <laughs> you're not fat. Thanks, Tim. Okay. It's 503-733-297. Did you eat anything bad for you, Rick? Make me feel better. Well, here's the thing. I only... The, I have this issue going on with my belt today, and I'm trying to figure is it out... Is between belt loops issue? It is. How did you know that? Because I have that problem all the time. I was actually just going to say I'm having that issue with my belt where it's... It, yeah, the, the, like the one notch is too tight, the other notch is too loose. Mm -hmm. And so I've chosen the one that's too tight, of course, uh, because otherwise your pants are just falling down and it's no good. And so, But then I got that, like, it's like it's uncomfortable, and, it's, and then you feel like it's probably compressing your organs, and that's bad for you in mm. some way. And so... And did you ever do this? Did you ever eat something... It, 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 you eat something that doesn't seem like it should be all that fattening, 
but immediately, and I'm not just projecting this like uh, you like I'm neurotic or whatever, but immediately your pants feel too tight. Yep. And you think to yourself, my stomach's pretty big. I mean, anatomically speaking, your stomach can hold a lot. Why did the, like why should I feel? Because I just ate. I had to, this is the last thing I'll say about it, and then and then we'll and then we'll and then we'll move on to things of actual import. But did you ever get like a jar of? Um, I say like a jar. Did you ever just get a jar of ranch dip? I say like as though it's something else. It's not. It's a like jar one of, of the ranch glass dip. ones. Looks yes, like the Tostitos. But yes, full it, of ranch. Exactly. <laughs> it's a it's a glass. It's a, a round glass jar. Oh, those are not of, good for you. No, uh, but you know what's frustrating is like my hand is too big to get in there, and so you get that ranch dip that's at the bottom. And it's like, and and you like your hand can't f- fit into the thing, and so this is another uniquely American problem. And so then I'm relying on the length of the chip to be able to scrape the bottom of the ranch jar to get the other to, to get the dip out. And then when you've just, and then but when you use up all the large, did you ever do this? You've used up all the large unbroken chips. So now there's no way to get this ranch out of the bottom of the jar because my hand is too fat to fit in, and and also the chips are all broken. And so what do I end up doing? I end up uh, last night just smashing up the chips into small pieces and dumping them, dumping them into the jar, so I can then bring them up Ew. with a fork. <laughs> you like stirred the chip chunks in with the ranch. Yes, I did. Yes, I you did. Feel a lot better about my pizza. I just smashed up a bunch of tortilla chips and dumped them into a jar of ranch, so I could bring it out with a fork, because I don't want to waste it. That's like fifteen cent worth of ranch at the bottom. I'm filled with shame. Here's Tim Riley at the news desk. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Lots of trouble in Milwaukee overnight. The SWAT came over. They swarmed a Milwaukee resident. They shot and killed the guy who was holding a woman and two children at gunpoint. The man forced his hostage at gunpoint to call area hospitals, demanding drugs on his behalf. The suspect threatened to kill the woman if she refused. Don't ask me why he thought he'd be successful in doing this, but he did. Uh, so eventually they shot him. Wait, is he dead? Yeah. Excellent. Well done. And this was where? In Milwaukee. Well done, uh, police of Milwaukee. So, uh, wait, was the hostage killed? There was no other. No, no. They're, they're Just the guy? All Just right, the guy. F him. Mm-hmm. All right, good Good uh, for you, police. It was almost like a rack or something. The SWAT people came in, head to toe in camouflage gear, backpacks, rifles. They had everything. Investigators say the suspect walked outside around uh, 5 o'clock. That's when the SWAT team shot him. It was very loud. <laughs> it sounded like one of those big things when they slammed the doors. Very loud. It sounded like one of those things. I don't think it sounded like a thing where they slammed the door. I think it sounds like a gun. That's what it sounded like. That's, that, that analogy only works one way. You can't go, no, 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 the uh, the gun was real loud. It sounded like a door. That doesn't work. Door real loud sounds like a gun. That works. But that's what the Milwaukee woman said. That's wow. her own experiences. Okay. Time for a monkey watch. Here's your monkey watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Show. <laughs> the Salem monkey has been found. The man and his monkey... That they've been looking for for quite some time. Uh, the monkey has turned himself in, along with its owner. The monkey is a 20-year-old female. This is a companion monkey with this man named Wilk. Uh, he said uh, several witnesses uh, said when the young girl approached the monkey, she was told several times not to get too close. Does it say what kind of a monkey it is? This is a capuchin monkey. <laughs> Wait, I recognize that, but that's, a, see, again, a thing that I... C-A-P-U-C-H-I-N. I've seen that written down, but I don't with know what it With an apostrophe at like. the end of it. Should that be a capuchin monkey Capu- without, the, without the G? Capuchin monkey. All right. Well, let's see, I'm looking here. So it's a companion monkey, and the girl was, uh, the girl was told to stay The time and time away. again, 
Stay away from the monkey. Oh, okay. This is, oh, you know what this is? I'll, 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 I'll tell you exactly what kind of monkey this is. This is the monkey from Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is the, uh, bad, the same monkey? Bad oh, okay. dates. Yeah, well, probably. So the monkey the from the Raiders of the Lost Ark and its owner, uh, 53-year-old William Welk of Salem, were sitting on a park bench. They try not to draw attention, but monkeys do drop people's attention, especially children. And they told the girl several times, do not get too close to the monkey. The girl did not listen, got too close. The monkey jumped on the girl's shoulder and head. The girl has two puncture wounds and scratches apparently caused by the monkey's fingernails. The monkey has no teeth. Let me repeat that. The monkey has no teeth. So it's sort of like the emperor having no clothes, but yes. with a monkey? All right. So Welk said after the incident, he and his mother left the park to avoid further problems. Uh, by the oh, way... The, the, the monkey is not his mother. His mother is a separate person. He, his mother, and the monkey left the park. When asked why he did not contact police, he said he was shocked by the incident. Uh, let's see. It says here they are sometimes kept as exotic uh, pets. Listen to this. These monkeys are freaky. Sometimes they plunder fields and crops uh, and are seen as troublesome. Uh, let's see. Um, they are also used as service animals, sometimes being called nature's butlers. <laughs> That's uh, according to uh, Wikipedia. By the way... They're freaky. Apparently, they use tools. That's unnerving. I thought we were the only Nature's primates that... butlers? That's what Wikipedia says. So when the police came to the house, the monkey answered the door and said, Sir, the police are here to speak with you. I... <laughs> Sir, there's a man at the door. Shall I show him in? And he's got like... And aren't you picturing the monkey with a monocle? Yes. Uh, like a monocle and sort of a, like a fez. Just in a tuxedo. Kind of a... I'm sorry. You are here on what business? It says here... Um, yeah, let's see. So they have they demonstrate self awareness. Female monkey's voice because it's a girl. They demonstrate. Well, no, That's I'm bad. just talking as me now. Oh. Uh, they they demonstrate self awareness, and they use tools, I guess, because it says that they um. No, they're handy. Th when they live near the river, they will use rocks to crack open um uh, sort of like a uh, 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 like nuts and oil or not uh, but like um shellfish, mm -hmm. and so they uh, they will use rocks, which I think isn't that the same thing as using tools? A rock is a tool, right? By, for a caveman, I would think a monkey mm. is more intelligent and would ask for power tools. But I mean, like, but, you know, but like when they say animals learn to use tools, like that counts as a tool. Um, all right. And they also they also create their own insect repellent from millipedes. It's a, it's a, it's nature's freaky. weird. Yeah, it really is. All right. Well, so uh, what's going to happen to this uh, to, to this? So monkey? this uh, monkette serves as a companion due to a medical condition. Uh, he's owned the monkey for a year and the animal is current on its medical vaccinations. Now, we want to repeat the monkey didn't bite anybody because it has no teeth. And so what was... And, uh, the monkey scratched the girl. Oh, I see. So but she was asking claws. for it. All right. Uh, the monkey... Uh, Got to give the monkey some protection against these kids. The monkey was obtained through nonprofit organizations that trains service monkeys to help individuals with mobility impairments. In the organization's 30-year history, this is the first monkey scratching. All right. Do we all agree that we have to get somebody from this organization on to talk about service monkeys? Yes. Yes. All right. Do you have the name of the organization? Uh, let me look here. Well, we'll find it. We'll, uh, find, it. we'll find it during a break so that uh, so that idea is not stolen by some uh, <laughs> However, EJ somewhere. However, the monkey was provided with the agreement that it remain in the house and not taken out in public. Oh, so he broke one no. of the rules. But, right. you know, I'm siding with the monkey on this one. Me too. The one time the monkey is allowed outside is for a veterinary appointment, and even then the monkey is to be transported in a monkey carrier. But the monkey has no teeth. Right. I mean, so this claim that it bit the girl is just a lie. It is a lie. That's a fabrication. Just for the television. All right. Is that, is that a lie? Uh, do we know if that was a lie that came from the... Did that originate with the parent? More than likely. All right. Or the passerby. Now, so the monkey is being published, uh, punished. It has been returned to the organization's facility. It's going to remain there for a minimum of six months under veterinarian's care. 
The arrangement was agreed upon after consultation with the organization. Here it is. Marion County and State of Oregon health officials. All right. So we'll uh, we'll look into the uh, into that. So the monkey has no teeth. It does have claws, which only seems fair. As you said, you got has to be able to defend itself against a right. snot-nosed, grubby-faced little children at some, you know, in some way. So, all right, well there you go. And no criminal charges have been pursued. So, How, I, I'm siding with the monkey on this. Me one. too. How are they going to punish the monkey, Tim? I don't know. They're going to spank the monkey probably. It's the Rick Emerson show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101, K-U-F-O, uh, and so forth. All right, it's 503-733-2978. So I'm just busy reading all this information about uh, service monkeys, which apparently, Tim, are used quite frequently uh, to aid in the, wait for it, washing of quadriplegics, uh, people who are not able to, um, you know, clean all their uh, areas appropriately. Okay, that's kind of cute, though. I mean, no, it is cute. I'm just listening to this. After being socialized in a home as infants, monkeys undergo extensive training before being placed with a quadriplegic. Around the house, monkeys help out by doing tasks. See, here's the thing. Even though you wouldn't know... Wouldn't the monkey have to have, like, long sleeves that wouldn't get soaked doing dishes and given quadriplegic baths and things? The monkey has fur on it, does it? Wouldn't the monkey get wet? I... Providing his services? I... I suppose I... I, is that a thing that you're really concerned about? I like how you're not concerned well, about the I, fact I that the monkeys to, are, are enslaved to... by humans and made to do menial tasks. Well, you don't... just don't want them to get wet. I don't want a soaking wet monkey jumping up on my couch. No one does, Tim. Anywho, it says, uh, see, even though intellectually you know monkeys are dangerous, this is why uh, I can even, if in my head, I can I can see myself going, well, maybe I should get one. But you can't paint them all with the same brush. This is why, uh, this is why you, under, you understand why people want to do this. The monkeys help out by doing tasks including microwaving food, washing the quadriplegic's face, and opening drink bottles. That's just adorable. Uh, for safety purposes, a few front teeth are often removed when the monkeys are young. So that was the case with this monkey in Salem yes. um, that uh, had no teeth. It's certainly not front teeth. It sounded like no teeth at all, but did in fact have uh, have you know claws or paws or whatever you call it. Um, and that's the thing that the that the monkey uh, sort of unleashed on the girl. After the girl, I think, was repeatedly told to leave the monkey alone. Always sage advice. Mm -hmm. So. Let the Wookiee win. Leave the monkey alone. These are these are, these are suggestions that ought to be followed. We could use one around here to like to change light bulbs so we stop smashing things. <laughs> the monkey would probably find the right light bulbs, and then we can loan them out to Susan Reynolds, who could also use always use another monkey to help around her office. Susan yeah, Reynolds could always use another monkey. The thing is, that's I, true. I think she would agree. No, I mean, I don't, I don't dispute that at all. Actually, I mean, I was going to open my my mouth to sort of disagree with that, and I find that I can't. Uh, I can't really contradict that statement in any way. Well, we'll look into it. All right. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Tim Riley's following these uh, stories for you on this Wednesday. Well, how about those Blazers, guys? The Trailblazers even up the series with one apiece. More Oregonians will qualify for unemployment benefits. Yahoo will lay off 700 more as their profits plummet. The accused Craigslist killer is held without bail. His name is Philip Marcotte. He's described as a geeky bowler, a high school bully, oh, an awfully nice kid. Polite and friendly, had a hatred for people, drank Grey Goose, gambled at the Indian casino where his mom worked. How can he be both uh, a geeky bowler and a high school bully? It it depends <laughs> on what the reporter interviewing him is trying to paint him as. Really? When they interview the first, come on, come on, he was mean, wasn't he? <laughs> and then later. If, if only once. Yes, he looked at me wrong. <laughs> 
And then the next, we, we have one just like that. And as the next cut is like, well, he, you know, he was constantly pummeling people. And the next one is, well, I don't know, he was shy and stayed in the basement, yep. uh, just uh, covered in his own sputum. All right. Uh, well, we'll have, I think actually uh, around the corner, Steve Kastenbaum uh, will be talking about that. He's in uh, New York City, so we'll talk about the Craigslist killer. More news from Tim Riley ahead uh, next hour. Uh, actress Allie Larder will be joining us here on the Rick Emerson Show. And part three of our interview with Harry Shearer. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Emerson Show returns. And I cannot tell you how many times somebody will be walking by and they go, Whoa! This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Coming up next hour, actress Ali Larder will uh, be here to uh, discuss uh, her new film, which has Idris Elba in it, and he was Stringer Bell on the Wire, which is fantastic. Uh, also, uh, Beyonce is in the new Beyonce. Movie. You should ask, um, you should say, you should ask a Beyonce question just to see if we can, we should start reverse engineering our interviews to see what we can ask to get a certain response. Hmm. Uh, in other words, like what, because I'm, I'm guessing that without too much difficulty, if you ask her about, uh, Beyonce, who, I, and I don't, has Beyonce done, was she, what am I thinking of? Has she done acting? What would I have if seen she was her in, in? No, she wasn't in Dreamgirls. That was... I, uh, what am I thinking of? Where would I have seen her acting? I mean, it's not like a video or something. I'm, she was in the, uh, in Austin Powers in one of those movies. That's right. She, she was, was in Foxy uh, something or other. Something. Um, so, but I'm, I'm guessing that without too much provocation, you could get Ali Lutter to say, well, I mean, it's really, she's, she's such an artist and just really to watch her create is, um, it's just an amazing thing because that's, I mean, I'm not saying it's not true, but whether it's true or not, like, that's a thing that always has to get said. So, in any event. And she was in all those horrible Pink Panther movies, too. Beyonce was? Yeah. Wait, with the Steve, uh, Steve Martin's mm-hmm. version? Uh, yeah. Um, Allie Larder next hour, and uh, we will be talking to Harry Shearer. Part three of our exclusive three-part interview with Harry Shearer is coming up later on in the show as well. This, ladies and gentlemen, is Tim Riley at the news desk. In the news with Tim Riley. Uh, breaking news. The acting chief financial officer, Freddie Mac, has committed suicide. David oh, wow. Kellerman has reportedly ended its own, his own life. These reports coming to us from his home in Fairfax County, Virginia. Uh, Police spokesman said the 41-year-old was found dead in his home at Hunter Mill Estates this morning. They were called to the home by a family member, so that is a big thing. Good Lord. He was a CFO, that which is the big guy. Really not what I expected you to say right there when you said breaking news. Normally it's like that there's a car accident on the Ross Island Bridge. No. We may have one later, though. With the uh, unemployment rate at a record high in Oregon, the governor signed a bill expanding unemployment benefits to help thousands of you looking for a job. He signed legislation at the state capitol... That changes how unemployment benefits, especially the eligibility, is determined. So, up to 6,000 more Oregonians can now get benefits. Shouldn't the eligibility just be that you were, you had a job and now you don't? Usually, yeah. I mean, what else, what else do you need, uh, really? I don't know. Uh, so, I don't know how this is different, but 6,000 more qualify than what... The legislation will also make Oregon eligible to receive $85 million in federal funds, so that is good. That money will go to helping the state unemployment insurance system. Uh, by the way, I saw the greatest thing. Pardon me. I saw the greatest picture this morning, and I don't know where I don't know where this photo was taken. I would like to think it was in Portland, but I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, somebody sent me a photograph uh, that was clearly real because you could see the person's – you could see their reflection as they were taking the picture. Uh, but it was a dry cleaning place, and the – 
it was it was legitimately uh, great. Uh, it was a photograph of a dry cleaning place, and there was a sign up in the dry cleaning place window that said, um, "If you were going to a job interview, they would uh, they would dry clean your outfit for free." I like That's that. Cool. How cool is that? And that was kind of like a like a like a right on uh, America sort of a thing. So that was great. I don't know. I don't know where it was. I mean, it could have been here. Could have been somewhere else. But um, there was that. Oh, oh real quickly, uh, two things. Yes. One. So that two. This has nothing to do with the unemployment thing or the governor, but uh, but I was on um, Hawthorne yesterday, and I saw. Have you seen those signs that have gone up? Uh, and I'm presuming they're about the soccer thing. And they're are these on- one-sided signs. No, these are not street signs. No, no, no. Uh, they are one-sided in terms of the issue, Tim. Uh, <laughs> these are uh, signs on telephone poles, and they look like um, they look like for sale signs. You know where it'll sit? Like car will say like for sale, and then it says by owner or something. It's the it's the red and white sign. And it'll say, for sale by owner, uh, you know, and then the item. This is a for sale by owner sign that somebody has altered, and they've printed it, like hundreds of them up, and they're on telephone poles over Hawthorne. And it, it just says, for sale by mayor, and then it says Portland, Oregon, like right in the middle of it. So I'm, I mean, I'm assuming that's a thing that has to do with the stadium or the team or something or other. But anyway. Uh, and finally, Beyonce apparently was in Dreamgirls. Oh, Maybe. she was. The okay. says she was in Dreamgirls, which is... Truly, truly awful film. And don't listen to anybody. Didn't it win like a bunch of awards and stuff? It's awful. It's terrible. Welcome now to the uh, Rick Emerson Show. CNN Radio correspondent from New York City, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey, Rick. Oh, man. I tried watching Dreamgirls after it won those awards. It's like having fish hooks put into my eyes and then yanked out again. I would agree. Yeah. And I wanted to like it. That's the thing. And it's got Eddie Murphy. who Eddie Murphy in Dreamgirls is one of those... uh, it's like a great song on a bad album where you, you hear the single and you go, that single's fantastic. And then you hear the rest of it and you go, wait, Blind Melon doesn't really have any talent or something. <laughs> and that was uh, watching Dreamgirls. I was saying, hey, Eddie Murphy's really great. Oh, God, this is awful. And it was just, it was like having, um, you know, like with candy, they'll say, there's a chewy, creamy center. It was like a chewy, creamy center, but it was just surrounded by refuse. And I after after a while... And I made it all the way there. I mean, I powered through because I don't. Uh, I like to be able to just disparage a movie uh, just full throatedly. I don't like to have to go. Well, I didn't see the last half hour. I like to see an entire. If I'm going to watch a bad film, I make sure uh, that I see it all the way to the end, uh, so that I can be absolutely definitive in my disparagement of that film. Yeah, I lasted about 15 minutes. And it, I remember, it, like, it was supposed to be like a period piece or something, but then about half an hour into Dreamgirls. They just sort of gave up on the idea of making it a period movie, and it just turned into like a terrible sort of 80s Broadway thing. Uh, it was just a very, a very it's an off-putting film. Hey, let me ask you this question about the, the Craigslist, uh, the alleged uh, Craigslist killer. Sure. So t- Tim sort of touched on this, that depending on which interview you saw and which person from his past they talked to, and with killers or alleged killers or whoever, it becomes like this sort of awful this-is-your-life do you remember this voice? And it's like some guy who went to college with the alleged uh, killer. And he was either a quiet man, or he was aggressive, or he was violent, or he kept to himself, uh, or he was charming, or he was creepy. Well, a lot of the interviews we had with people in his apartment building, other Boston University students, you know, described him as being the all-American college guy. You know, a nice guy, been over, hung out, had some beers, and you know, they were quite surprised. And so yeah, the, the theory now is that what he'd gone online and he well, he was trying to rob somebody and then the robbery went south and then uh, and then he and then he just and then he killed whoever it was but that was, but, it, but but this is more than one um, but this is more than one person this is multiple crimes that they've charged him with right basically he allegedly was making arrangements with women who had ads for all sorts of sensual services erotic services on Craigslist and when he would show up according to the district attorney he would uh, tie them up and rob them 
But apparently the uh, case against him in Boston that involves murder, well, the DA alleges that it was an attempted robbery gone bad, that the 26-year-old Julissa Brisman fought back and that he bashed her, her skull in, according to the DA, and then shot her three times, once in the heart. That's the, the charge against him. Meanwhile, he was, he was picked up while on I-95, and his fiance was in the car with him, according to the DA. Oh, see, so I didn't, I didn't know that part. Yeah, uh, we just learned that this morning. Because I thought it was a whole thing of, like, she's waking up and, you know, checking Yahoo News or something, and they're like, what, who's she that? She actually uh, sent uh, an email to ABC News claiming that he's a wonderful man and that he's been set up and that the police have the wrong guy. So They, they were on their way to feed his gambling favor at that Connecticut casino. Well, he was Apparently busted. that's the case. You know, some people are surmising that uh, he had a gambling problem, and that's yes, why he, he was uh, going after these women with ads on Craigslist for their money. I, and his mom worked at that casino. Really? Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, so she brought him up right. It's a, it's a family that it's a family that knows how to instill the right values, Tim. Um, I hate to keep going back to this point. You use this phrase, sensual services. I'm not saying that you yourself would have any firsthand knowledge of this, but I mean, if that, how do I put this? If that doesn't mean that you're just uh, paying some girl to get it on with you, what does that mean? Well, a lot of these ads are uh, sort of, you know, you got to read between the lines to figure out what they're offering, but uh, they all talk about sensual massage or lap dances in private. Uh, one of the women that he's accused of robbing was in, in Rhode Island, and apparently there's a loophole hole in the law there where uh, prostitution is not illegal if it takes place behind closed doors and it's just an act between a consenting man and woman. Oh, that's right. It's just, and it's, it's just person to person. Yeah. Right. So it is, so this is I, – and I guess the, the operating theory is that uh, if you're going to uh, uh, rob some girl who's, I don't know, like – I don't know, swinging on a pole for $15 or something, that she's probably not going to go to the man about that. Uh, right. So, all right. Although the police department is strongly urging people who have uh, you know, been, possibly been victimized in this way to come forward, to, to call them, that uh, they're not going to you know, prosecute or go after any woman or hold anything against her for what she's been doing. But they, uh, you know, they, they want to hold uh, this man accountable, if he is accountable, for any other robberies that may have taken place. You know what would be interesting is, I don't know if anybody's done this, but to go ask, I mean, I can't imagine the Craigslist people are all real happy that he's the, repeatedly being referred to as the Craigslist killer. I mean, that's uh, that's got to yeah. be a thing they're, they're not too thrilled mm -hmm. with. So I it, it's, it, it is sort of amazing uh, how quickly Craigslist has gone from being a thing that nobody used uh, or had even heard of a couple years ago to being uh, sort of the... So uh, first stop for murderers. <laughs> Allegedly, Tim. Um, but it is, but it's like, I mean, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like bookmark number one for like, you know, for like 80% of the stuff that a lot of people do online at this point, whether it's buying or selling or whatever. So this is, you got to wonder if there's some guy from, from Craigslist in, in San Francisco on the phone, uh, with the cops, like asking him, like, could you please ask people not to call him? Can we call him something? Can we call, can we call him the Boston university killer? Can we call yeah. him the, the med student? Come on, something. So. Yeah. Craigslist is, is increasingly coming under fire. Uh, these days in many different jurisdictions, uh, a lot of local prosecutors want them to shut down the, uh, you know, the, the, the personal section that is on Craigslist, you know, for intimate encounters or, or whatnot, because they believe it's being used, you know, everywhere just uh, for prostitution. So this is not going to help uh, Craigslist cause at all. Well, you know what? Uh, I was just continuing to uh, continue to enforce these laws is not going to help our economy, Steve. 
I think uh, we all need to get together. And we all need to row in the same direction, uh, you know, in 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 a fiscal sense. And for that uh, for that reason, Rick Emerson endorses the sensual services uh, section. So, mm. all right, I am okay. Uh, are you on tomorrow, sir? Yes, I am. I'm just going to isolate out you going mmm and just drop <laughs> that in randomly uh, throughout the rest of the day. All right, have Being a fan- in line with our standards and practices. Have a, my tongue. have a fantastic day, Steve. All right, Thank you. you see you. Uh, Steve Kastenbaum, me in New York. That's fantastic. All right. Uh, yes, Tim? I have nothing to say. Oh, well, I thought oh. it was like a, an anticipatory inhalation that you just did. No, no. Yeah, okay. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up next hour, Ali Larder will be joining us here on the show. Later on, Harry Shearer, part three of our uh, interview with him. It's 503-733-2970. Here is the new Green Day single, Know Your Enemy, from 21st Century Breakdown on the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101, KUFO. Products may vary. Available from opening to 11 a.m. at participating restaurants. Now broadcasting everywhere at all times to everyone in accordance with prophecy. Oh, my God, I thought you were going to say nipples. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. That's fantastic. This email says, Rick, I've been thinking about the monkey uprising. It really shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody that monkeys are rebelling. I mean, people enslave them to wash dishes and, and their bodies. They take them out in public to be ogled when they don't want to go. People sleep with them and give them wine. That is true. That's that uh, that woman in uh, wherever it was that was mauled by Travis, Connecticut. Uh, hell, I'd probably rip somebody's face off too if that were my fate. I'm just saying. Well, no, no, that makes a uh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, did you ever see the? Um, well, the, it, well, she was forcing him to brush her hair. This is not the. Uh, and I think that was what really pushed him over the edge. This is not the girl in Salem. This is the woman in Connecticut. Right. And she was. Did you see that thing in the New York Post about how she was? The, the, she and the monkey were. Um, I'm not suggesting they were you know, having some sort of unnatural relationship. I mean, they but it enjoy- enjoyed champagne toast together. But they, yes, they would have. Maybe been, it was a one-sided mim- enjoyment. I Mimosas and the New York Times, Tim. Uh, they, let, let us let us now read Liberals. the. <laughs> let us now read the New York Times book review while we have flutes full of the finest white wine. But he was, and Travis was that chimp that had been in the old Navy commercials. Which I mean, that's enough to sort of embarrass anybody. But there was a story that we had. I forget if I read it or we actually – we talked about doing it. We never did. But it was it was about – there was like some circus that was happening somewhere. It wasn't here. It was like in Indonesia or something. But there was a guy who decided to train some monkeys to be in his circus, and his method of training was just to – was just like hit the monkey with a stick every time it did something badly. You know, like every time the monkey couldn't like juggle some balls or something correctly, the guy would be like, you know, be better. Whack! And he would hit the monkey on the, the side of the head with a stick. And eventually the monkey just had enough of that. And it's sort of like Velociraptor in Jurassic Park style. One monkey came up behind the, and there's photos of it, which is fantastic. One monkey came up from behind the guy and like jumped on his head and began pulling his hair. Mm-hmm. And the other monkey took the stick from him and just started beating him in the mouth with it. Which is like the best thing I've ever heard. And there's a, there's a photograph you can see online of the guy caught in mid flail going like a, ah! and he's sort of one monkey on him and the other monkey going bam and hitting him right in the mouth with this big club. It's just so deeply satisfying. So I, for one, welcome our new monkey overlords. All right. Tim Riley is tracking the following stories on this uh, Wednesday morning. How about those Blazers? They won one, so now the series is tied at one apiece. How long is the series, Tim? Oh, it goes on for several games. A uh, Florida woman is attacked well by a 200-pound hog. An Akron stripper beats a co-worker with a stiletto. 
A Pennsylvania man gets a $26,000 bill for sending 217,000 text messages. He was trying to break a record, but forget about the price. A Klamath Falls woman who bought 180 cans of beer for kids is in trouble. Twitter traffic jumps 43% after Oprah joins in. Well, okay. Here's the good thing about that, though. I The reason why I can't get too upset about about I say, like, with my massive one week of Twitter usage, like, I'm all old school. Hey, here's the reason that I will allow Oprah to use Twitter is that it doesn't really buy it. Like, it doesn't affect me at all because the good thing about it is you don't have to like you don't have to receive anybody's uh, it, 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 Twitter updates or whatever. I refuse to say tweet. I'm just never ever, and everybody. I had some guy send me an email the other day. You know, you keep saying Twitter update and it's a tweet and it's faster. It's one that, syllable. That makes you sound more childish. It makes me sound foolish, Tim, and that's not anything to which I'll be a party. It's okay for Oprah to do because nobody will tell her she's wrong. <laughs> I suppose, and that really is the case that there's somebody who just stands and they go, "Yeah, it's groundbreaking technology. It's like, Been around for three the years." The Oprah has no clothes. Well, we don't even want to think about that. Um. But the reason that it doesn't bother me is because you don't have to be subjected to anybody else's sort of Twitter garbage if you don't want to. I mean, you know, Larry King can just sit there. And, uh, I mean, I haven't even checked Larry King's Twitter feed in like a day and a half. Let's see what it says right now. Hold on. Let me go there. Let's see. Uh, Twitter. Uh, Twitter. Let me look in. Let me, let me look right now. I just and hate that word so much. See what Larry much. King is actually saying. Hold on. Um, the, log in. Stupid. All right. Uh, let's see. What is Twitter? Why is it not recognized? Wrong email. Hold on a second. It's like, uh, the Charmin really is soft. I find that this is soft, strong, and thoroughly absorbent. It never right. tears. Let's see. Let me, uh, all right, Larry King. Oh, how sad it saved my search from last time. Are you looking for Larry King's Twitter, <laughs> Twitter feed? Yes, I am. Uh, let's see here. Larry King. Um... Uh, let, let's see. Okay, here we go. Larry King's most recent uh, Twitter observations. Um, I picked up my kids from school today. Chance had poured water on himself. Cannon walks up and says, is that water or sweat? That starts and goes nowhere. There's no content to that. What is it? All right. How about this? Um, Levi Johnston. He says Larry King twittering from three weeks ago. Levi Johnston, he's the guy who has a baby with Sarah Palin's daughter, Bristol. What do you think? All right. That's uh, that's the use of jillion-dollar technology. There you go. Larry King. So uh, you expect your responses. Wait, hold on. Hold on. This just in. My boys won their little league game. It is the wildest game of the year. Congratulations. Uh, and uh, finally, he says... Bill Ford, executive chairman of Ford, is exclusive and taking your tweets tonight. Taking your tweets. Taking your tweets is wrong. Taking your tweets sounds like you're going to be doing blow with some guy in a bathroom, uh, you know, before going off to see the Stones concert or something. All right. So, but with Oprah doing, it's like I don't have to be like you don't have to receive any of that stuff. So I can just uh, so you know, really the I'll tell you right now, the only person that I actually even see on Twitter is Sarah. That's it. So, well, that's good. It's nice. It's only YouTube. Yeah. Well, because I don't care about anybody else's thoughts. If you had a Twitter account, I'd follow yours. I don't have any thoughts. No. Well, that's not. <laughs> well, you, the thing is, but as you noted, Tim, you can't give them away. Uh, you know, one, one must. You know, one is just giving out your thoughts willy nilly. They have to remain at a premium. So uh, it, it I, takes too much time. Well, I followed Richard Quest, who we love from CNN. Mm -hmm. But Richard Quest is that guy that twitters every six minutes about crap that doesn't concern anybody but him. And the thing is, it's not like, 
Like if it was somebody I was actually stalking, I mean, Twitter is really that. I mean, Twitter is like the stalker's best friend, because if you are somebody who just sits up every day and you say, I wonder what uh, Tito Jackson is doing right now. I wonder what he's eating for breakfast. I wonder if Tito Jackson is putting on clean socks. Um, you know, that's a thing that Twitter will let you find out because celebrities seem to think that everybody wants to know, like, what flavor of bagel they're having that morning. I don't know. You know, I, I think these are a bunch of people sitting around in boiler rooms and they all have a list of celebrities and they're all the same message. Really? Where it's, it's, where it, it's all a lot of uh, going to the zoo today, then having a snow cone. Boy, I love this city. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's just, and they just sort of send that out everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's like the clear channel uh, of Twittering. Richard, we really ought to start a clear channel, uh, a Twitter account, mm-hmm. where it just, uh, you know what I mean? I mean, how, look, I mean, really, really honestly, how long can it be it's before. It's a beautiful th- day in your city. How about that sporting team last night and that uh, game that they played for the championship cup? How long will it be before Clear Channel just develops some speech recognition technology and a guy can just sit in a room and he can just type out, coming up, another five in a row, more rock, less talk, uh, enter to win now at our website. And then there's, you know, and, and then it just goes out all over the country. So two things. Um, I, I guess really just this, uh, that I discontinued following Richard Quest, though, because as much as he's as much as you love him on television, like Richard Quest saying something. Can we have a little sample of Richard Quest's voice here? Oh yes. So Richard Quest, CNN reporter, when he says something, it sounds like this. Right across his posterior. But when you read something on the screen from him, it really is just like, and I'm making some toast, and you realize <laughs> and I'm wandering that, around Central Park naked. I've got a <laughs> rope tied around my genitals. Uh, you know, <laughs> come and find me. <laughs> I am waiting behind a shrub in Central Park. <laughs> I've. We should totally send out. We should totally have a Twitter feed. Okay, this is a great oh, idea. No. no, 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 no. Now listen. Now look, you damn woman. This is <laughs> some of my ideas aren't stupid. Some of them. <laughs> Every now and again, I say something that's not full of retardation. We should have a Twitter feed where we send out things that celebrities. Uh, did say on the record or that are part of like police transcripts or how about this no no no. here's another one you know what we should do somebody should have uh, uh like uh yeah, this would be sort of a creepy piece of performance art somebody i almost don't even want to say this on the air it's so genius should i say it on the air yes 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 you okay. must Somebody, some uh, some sort of uh, li- like a novelist or somebody who you know, somebody who's writing a screenplay, somebody who's kind of you know, wants to get a little bit of attention. This would be some. This would be like weird, great, creepy performance art. Okay, somebody should have an ongoing shtick where they do a series of Twitter feeds uh, done from the perspective of someone who is about to have an infamous historic encounter, i.e., O.J. Simpson. You know, like uh, told told Cato to wash socks uh, or something or, you know, or like leading up to it, you know, you know, where it would be like O.J. Simpson, like uh, speeding, speeding, speeding away uh, right now. Wonder if false wig will fit and get me through airport security. That'd be interesting if you if there was a Twitter feed. I think the concept is interesting. If there was a Twitter feed of like, um, I was going to say the Lindbergh baby, but it really doesn't work. There's something there. I'm just saying that's a thing that would get a little bit of attention. You know what I mean? Maybe it needs a little fine tuning. Like a little, a little fine tuning. Maybe it needs a monkey. <laughs> because anything's better with a monkey. You know how I always say that? Like the, the default setting on any radio morning show is to have like, like famous guy working at a drive-through. 
So, like, if it was me, I'd be like, what, what if that Richard Quest guy uh, was working at a drive through And then you would immediately go to the pre-recorded bit uh, where a guy says, uh, you know, hello, I'd, I'd like a filet of fish and two Big Macs. And then the voice is, did I tell you I've got a rope tied around my business or something? And, you know, and then it, hilarity ensues. This will be the new that. Uh, would it be like, what, what, what if Charles Manson was, uh, was Twittering <laughs> in 1969? What, what would that sound like? And then you would just have the Twitter feed unfold, and then everybody would think it was hilarious, and then Larry King would talk about it. Whatever, fine, you know, you bastards. I just sit and I just throw these things out, and, you know, not everything can be gold. It, it's not like, not like everything can be, uh, not like everything can be ShamWow quality. We know that. I'm going to be Twittering about something exciting in just a moment. You know what it is, Tim? You got me. Give me a hint. Tomorrow we'll be discussing uh, the life and work of Portia de Rossi uh, with Miss Portia de Rossi herself. So, Portia de Rossi of Arrested Development fame and other things, but mainly Arrested Development fame. We'll be here on the uh, Rick Emerson Show tomorrow. That just That's in. so exciting. All right. Coming up, Ali Larder in just a few minutes. Uh, Tim Riley returns with the news. And coming up uh, later on in the show, we'll have part three of our Harry Shearer interview. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting everywhere. One time, I did actually confess that I um, made out with my teddy bear. The Rick Emerson Show returns on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Coming up here in just a few minutes, actress Allie Larder will join us here on the Rick Emerson Show. Later on, part three of our exclusive three-part interview with the one and only Harry Shearer of Simpsons and Spinal Tap fame. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley's tracking the following stories on this Wednesday morning. Now, Missums, the Missums, I'm having a terrible <laughs> day today. Yes. Would you like to try again? Tim Riley's tracking the... It all, it all started the, uh, when I put one of my contacts in sideways and decided <laughs> this is not going to be a day to try to put my contacts in. When you say you put it in sideways... Because we've been kind of spastic, then I've already shattered a light bulb today. Yeah, we broke a light bulb together. Oh, and... <laughs> team effort. And my pants won't stay shut. Um, I've got this thing going on. We were discussing the, the, the shameful incident last night where I was crushing up some uh, tortilla chips and dropping them. And I'm glad, by the way, that Ali Larder gets to hear this whole conversation. But I was crushing up tortilla chips and, 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 and dropping them into this uh, sort of jar of ranch because there was about a quarter inch at the bottom. And it's like my hand is too large uh, to get, you know, to, to, to get that. It's like when... Um, it's like when, uh, what's your name? It's like when Willie is trying to pull the uh, to pull the lever to stop the crushing room in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and the hand you just can't quite get the hand inside. That was me with the uh, with the remaining ranch at the bottom. And so, like, well, you know what? I'll just break up these chips into tiny pieces and drop them at the bottom, and then I can use a fork to bring them out, and they'll bring the remaining ranch with them. It was like a ranch casserole kind That's of thing. Exactly <laughs> what it was, Sarah. Um, That's so, going to be the new dish at the Puyallup County Fair this year. Ranch casserole, mm. but, but deep fried. <laughs> so then I'm so I'm in the, chocolate. This awkward place this morning where I'm between belt loops, and then also I've got a a button fly, which is really just one of the most pointless inventions. Like it's 2009. It mm. seems like everything could just have a zipper. The problem with the button fly is it doesn't make any sort of like there's no alarm or indicator that goes off uh, whenever your pants have sort of come unbuttoned. Oh in the God, front. are you saying that you're having your pants? Come open. Well, no, they're, I mean, they're closed like, now because I noticed sure that God that? knows, God knows how long before that was I walking around sort of, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a state of, uh, Let's move forward, that's nothing anybody <laughs> wants to visualize. Thank you, Tim. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson show. She's in the new film Obsessed, which opens this Friday. She can also be seen on NBC's Heroes. She is Allie Larder joining us on the Rick Emerson show. Hello, Allie. Hi, how are you today? How are you? 
Um, well, I'm apparently uh, kind of fat, but that's my problem and nobody else's. So, um, but enough about me, Allie. I think that ranch did with tortillas just sounded pretty damn good to me. I, you know, look, I mean, I paid for the ranch. I, I want to leave part of it unconsumed. I mean, one has to, uh, one has to Absolutely. really. Absolutely. Uh, I think I probably would have gone for a spoon, not a fork, though, so that I could get up all the extra dressing. Hey, now that's uh, some thinking because then uh, with a spoon, see, with a spoon, you could almost take it out. Uh, by itself. All right, I'm going to write this down in like a schematic later Absolutely. on, and we can sort of work on this. <laughs> so I saw the poster. I was looking at the, uh, the the promotional poster for Obsessed, which uh, comes out this Friday, and um, uh, you're in this along with Beyonce and then Idris Elba, who, of course, is on The Office now, was on The Wire, and it was really, it's a pretty exceptional uh, cast. Is that one of those moments where you look around and you think to yourself, well, here I am and I'm, I'm making this great movie and Beyonce's it's so over there? It's crazy. And, yeah. I mean, I was sitting on the sofa with my fiance the other day and, you know, we've been seeing the commercials and it just feels like a totally separate person. <laughs> and you're going, who that? You know, it's like there's the one side of you that you see that, you know, is on the screen and all that. And then there's, you know, just like the normal girl who's sitting around in sweaties. <laughs> so. you, you're going to have that girl on the screen sure is lucky. What a, what a great experience she must be having. Absolutely incredible. I I feel so blessed. I mean, the fact that I get to play these really dark, complex women is so exciting to me. I mean, you know, one of the fun things about what I do is that I get to, to figure out the clues into what makes these women tick and, and really make characters that may seem unlikable or villainous or bad and try to make you love them for all the right, for all the wrong reasons. So in the in the movie Obsessed, your character gets, uh, I think, a very serious fixation on Idris Elba's character and, and just sort of kind of really does start to, I don't know if stalking is the right word, but... But really goes after him in a pretty in a pretty serious way, and is, you is that are those elements of uh, of instability are those modeled on on specific traits you've seen in other people, or you kind of just create um, that out of thin air? It's definitely about for me. It's like with this kind of movie, you want to make her irrational behavior seem completely rational. So that it's like she's misinterpreting his signs and his clues, but how she digests it and the story that she's telling herself makes it totally real. So when he puts his arm around her because she's crying after an ex-boyfriend, she takes that as he likes her, he's consoling her, he cares for her. And that's one of the things that we try to tap into is that office romance that, you know, you spend so much time with people in the office, you know, sometimes 12 hours a day, and you maybe only see your, your partner or your husband or wife for an hour or two a day. And, so. and speaking of that, we're talking with Ali Larder. She's in the new movie Obsessed. And in addition to films, I mean, in uh, in 2007, in addition to doing uh, Heroes, uh, you've made four movies. And so you're just talking about people working a lot. I mean, when do you do you, do you even sleep, or are you are you a sort of a filmic cyborg, and you can just sort I, of a... you know what you never know because you get huge spurts of work, and then it becomes quiet. And I'm just someone who loves seizing all the opportunities in life, and I've always been that way. And, you know, if something presents itself to me that I think is going to be an exciting endeavor, I have to go for it. So, yeah, I'm just enjoying my life, and I actually enjoy that. Like, I enjoy, like, really working hard for a month or two and then having a couple weeks off where I can just lay low. I'm definitely a sprinter, so... So that works for me. And I know that you have done, I mean, you get you get asked, uh, obviously, a lot about uh, Varsity Blues, which is one of the first big impact uh, roles that you had. And then you and James Vanderbeek, I think that at least, what, two or three different films you guys have had sort of a sort of a crossover. So there's almost like a like a one degree of James Vanderbeek uh, thing going on with all the stuff you do. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I haven't seen him in such a long time. I just, I wish him only the best. When you did Final Destination, that was a thing that came out, and uh, my producer Sarah and I have talked about Final Destination a lot because it's like they just tapped into so many uh, common phobias and things that are terrifying. And I actually, I have to ask, is that 
either created or, or exacerbated any existing phobias that you might have had when you did that film? Interesting. You know, every time I sit on the plane now and they say, you know, your final destination is, and I always think, oh, my God. You know, or if you see the tray drop down. I mean, I remember all those little clues. And, you know, it's like I'm someone who definitely reads into things in life. So you, you can take it as far as you want. But it's definitely, you know, made my eyes open to things. Do is it sure. a, a- a broad spectrum of things like you're doing where you've got heroes, which is very much uh, targeting one demographic in a movie uh, like Obsessed or when you do Final Destination. Does that open doors for you in terms of production and producing your own works in the future? You know, everyone always has this misconception that actors get to plan their, you know, careers. I mean, if you're Cameron Diaz, you absolutely get to. But mostly it's about what works out with the schedule and being able to find a movie that you really love to do that they want to see you in. And you don't always find that. And, you know, one of the great things about getting to do a movie like Obsessed is that I've always wanted to play a femme fatale kind of character. Um, and then on Heroes, I play more of a straight-laced, you know, you know, Washington, D.C. Um, girl. So I definitely get to experience those two things. And I would love, in the end, to get to do a comedy, though. Excellent. I would love, love, love to do a comedy. So hopefully someone will let me do that soon. Um, as we uh, sort of wrap this up, I, I do have to ask really quickly. Um, in Varsity Blues, I, I have to know this. What was that whipped cream bikini thing made out of to keep it from melting underneath the set lights? I mean, was it just like, was it just a plastic appliance or something they put on? It was shaving cream. Oh, and so, but it doesn't, it doesn't melt. I would figure that it would just sort of disintegrate. It, We'd have to reapply, so it was my first scene in my first movie. So <laughs> that's a nerve-wracking way to start your uh, to start a your bit. career. Actually, but it started with a bang. So all right, Atlee Larder uh, is in the new film Obsessed. It opens this Friday, and you can also be seen in Heroes. So uh, best of continued success, Allie. Thanks for spending Thank some time so with much. us. Great questions. Thank right, you. Thank you. That is Allie Larder, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, fantastic. All right, and I got the shaving. That cream, was cool. Uh, she thought you were clever. Well. Tim, you know, some of us, uh, <laughs> some of us march to the drum of the man. Some of us create our own rhythm. Understandable. I don't really know what I'm talking about there. <laughs> uh, Tim Riley, what news stories are you tracking this morning? Uh, Sarah Dillon and I already broke a light bulb. Uh, that was the big story so far. A man, uh, or the Trailblazers win, even up the series at one apiece. More Oregonians will qualify for unemployment benefits. Yahoo has dismal profits, and the person who runs Yahoo uses the F word. And uh, telling us that they lost all that money, and then they're going to lay off 700 people. The accused Craigslist killer is A, a geeky bowler, B, a high school bully, C, an awfully nice kid, D, polite and friendly, E, had a hatred for people, F, gamble at any casino. G, pick your pick. All of the above. All of the above. All right, straight ahead, more news with Tim Riley coming up later on. Part three of our Harry Shearer interview. Uh, the third part of that today, we'll hear we'll discuss more about The Simpsons and how his career began and where he sees himself going next. So that's coming up later on in the show. It's 503-733-3970. It is The Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Putting the cult in pop culture. My eyes, the goggles do nothing. The Rick Emerson Show returns on Rock 101 KUFO. That right there was the voice of Harry Shearer, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he'll be heard later on in today's show. We have uh, the final uh, part of our three-part interview with Harry Shearer coming up later on. Uh, he talks about what Simpsons voice he enjoys doing the most, and uh, I asked him about his uh, these, this sort of grammatical or punctuation or uh, you know error that irritates him. 
And he had a great answer, and he didn't have to think about it. He had a response just like that. It's 503-733-2970. Oh, and he talks about, I didn't know this, uh, so Spinal Tap is actually, they've done, they've recorded a new record. Uh, so there is a new Spinal Tap album uh, that is done, that's going to be released uh, later on this year. So he discusses that a bit as well. It's 503-733-2970. At the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, it's Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Breaking news from the East Coast. David Kellerman, the acting chief financial officer of Freddie Mac, reportedly has committed suicide. There are no signs of foul play. The exact cause and manner of death, we're going to wait for the medical examiner to examine and give those results. A 41-year-old found dead at his home in suburban Washington just moments ago. Well, the man accused of being the so-called Craigslist killer... A lot of people saying different things about him. He was, quote, a geeky bowler, a high school bully, an awfully nice kid, polite and friendly, hated people, drank Grey Goose, and gambled where his mom worked. So all these reporters are going out uh, trying to interview uh, people who knew him and to find out if he was as bad a guy as being claimed. Did anybody you know, any girls that dated him or people in your you know, particular social group ever say, this guy's creepy or this guy, guy gave me a bad vibe? I heard that a lot, and I've been hearing that a lot since this um, since broke. Since yes. right. And it's um, that misogyny and that um, male entitlement really comes out, and mm. people are starting to talk about that. Wait a minute. I'm unclear. Is that a man or a woman he's speaking to right there? That is a man. All right. I Something like the squish it guy. It, it, it really did. No, well spotted. Wait, hold on. Where is the... Uh... Tim, can you, uh, can you play that guy back, or at least part of that? So we can do a, a comparing. Anybody you know, any reporter. girls that dated him or people in your, you know, particular you know girl social is? group ever say, this guy's creepy or this guy, guy gave me a bad vibe? I heard that a lot and I've been ah. hearing that a lot since this. Um, since broke. The, yes. Right. And it's um, that misogyny and that um, male entitlement really comes out mm. and people are starting to talk about that. If you do squish it, it does have a. Uh, a reaction, uh, it emits uh, an acid that can cause like dermatitis to people. He's completely the bug guy. So the bug, so this is a, a, bug uh, guy. an insect, an insect expert that we had on the show about six months ago, an uh, entomologist uh, to talk about the bed bugs or something or other. Uh, but he was talking about the, some sort of insect that you, you step on. And you don't want to do it because then it, yeah, like because then it bleeds acid and it goes to the deck of the Nostromo and whatever. That guy, the bug guy, sounds exactly like the person being interviewed there. And I understand that reporters got a job to do. It's a business, especially in this uh, trying economic situation. Everybody's got to try to get uh, viewers and listeners and ratings and readers and whatever. But can you imagine Walter Cronkite asking these questions? Did he strike you as being a creepy guy who enjoyed lap dances? Well, no. <laughs> well, how about some other time? <laughs> and what reporter asked somebody if they would describe someone as creepy? I mean, that seems to be a bit of a leading question. Yeah. yeah. Would you describe him as being more uh, abhorrent or awful? Which of those verbs do you think comes closest? <laughs> Another described as being gawky. But uh, he and his girlfriend were arrested when they were on their way to do some more gambling. Well, you know... We're very surprised. He's a nice kid, said another one. Another said he's a misogynist. All right. Well, and his mom worked at the uh, at said gambling emporium? She did, yes. Well, that's, uh, that's a woman who knows how to raise children, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what did that uh, pirate look like when he went to pirate court in New York? Abdulwali Musay wore a blue prison uniform, his left hand still heavily bandaged. He spoke only briefly in his native language through a Somali interpreter answering the judge's questions. He looked thin and slightly bewildered. You know, I was thinking about this this morning. Can I? 
I didn't uh, take the shirt off for this reason. Uh, it was just, I realized it was kind of uh, wrinkly, and so I didn't know where to work. Where to work? But I have this pirate shirt that I wear sometimes, and it's sort of a it's like a kooky kind of a cartoon pirate head. It's like a skull with like you know zany eyes, and he's got like the hat and whatever. And I was putting it on this morning, and I was kind of looking in the mirror, and I thought, ah, it's all wrinkly. I have to put something else on. But as I was doing that, you know, your mind kind of gets going in weird directions in the morning, and it just sort of you kind of get this free association vibe going. And I was thinking about pirates and how. I wonder if it's going to put some sort of a, uh, some sort of a. Uh, it does put pirates in a bad light. If it's going to put a cloud over all the pirate gatherings that we seem to have in this in this town, like about every three weeks in Portland, there's talk like a pirate day, or there's the pirate festival, there's like some sort of a pirate dance happening somewhere. I wonder if there's well, this uh, pirate will get his own reality show like everybody else does. But I mean, do you suppose that they're going to have to? Laura and I were discussing this yesterday. Actually, are they going to have to d- d- make some sort of do like a, an active differentiation when the pirate festival comes up? Like later on in the year, they have to do some sort of like a pirate rehabilitation uh, program or something where the uh, where they have to specify that it's sort of jaunty, likable pirates. Right, here's uh, Tim Riley. A woman has been attacked by a 200-pound hog. This happened in Florida. A wild hog attacked a woman in her backyard. The 26-year-old woman uh, was told there was a hog in her backyard. When she went outside to investigate, sure enough, a 200-pound hog charged her. This was in what state, Tim? Florida. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was me. I think it was both of us. They were able to treat the woman for the uh, injury caused by the hog at the scene. She'll be fine. A Pennsylvania man attempted to set a record of 217,000 texts. Well, he didn't uh, think that there might be a bill going with that. Well, he got one $26,000 to beat the record. Um, A boy finds a forgotten gun. What's the first thing the boy does with the gun? Points it at his head, pulls the trigger. Dead. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, Yahoo is cutting its workforce. 700 people will be laid off over at Yahoo. Then we have that stripper from Akron, which is the stripping capital of the world. Oh, and see, and you told me this morning that this was from Akron, and I don't know anything about the. Here's what I know about the story. I know it took place in Akron. I know there's a stripper, and I know there's a fight of some kind. That's all. Akron is America's tire capital. See, when you told me that it was in Akron, the first thing I thought of it is that Akron is a bit like Sheboygan, Schenectady, and Kalamazoo, yes. in that I don't really think anybody lives there. I mean, I think that it's a place that exists solely uh, for my own amusement because it's one of those go-to cities whenever you have to come up with a with a funny place where something would happen because it's just a funny-sounding place. So it is entirely appropriate that we actually had a story from there at some point. So this uh, older stripper, who's uh, 53, not to say the 53 years old, and not to say she isn't good-looking, but we're just saying she's the oldest of these strippers, I got a little jealous when a new recruit was added to the floor show. Nobody likes the new meat, Tim. No. Uh, so she allegedly got upset and uh, took off whatever high heels and beat the new girl with it. Just what I need, another new bee. Like I was taking her money or something. I hadn't even been on the floor. Wow. These girls are all much younger than me. I was no competition, believe me. Wait a minute. I've learned my lesson. I think I was just being stupid anyway. I just have to go to a temporary service or keep looking for a job. That was just an easy way out, and it turned out to be H-E-double-O. Well, I, okay, Give me a Marlboro. <laughs> Jesus. First of all, she's a stripper, but she won't say hell. She has to spell it. Well, you she's can- a classy one. You can see my genitals for a dollar, but I have to spell out a profane word for you. Um, the, But that's not the older stripper? That is the older stripper. Yeah, that's the older one. When she says that she was no... Wait, who hit who? Allegedly, this older stripper hit one of the younger strippers with their high heel. Okay, but that's but that's not... That's the younger stripper then, because the younger stripper was just... This woman who just was in the soundbite was saying, I don't know why she did that. I'm no competition to her. So no, the older like woman was saying, maybe the, the, older the younger girl, 
The, Fight back? The, the, younger, the younger one is accusing her of attacking her, and she said she did not do it. But then we have this eyewitness. Out of nowhere, she, she <laughs> wow. had, must have had the shoe in her hand already. <laughs> and I remember seeing her clock her like five or six times in the head, and Joe went back. I would have never guessed that the day I take my friend there to get a job that that would happen. Good God That's Almighty! <laughs> the the authorities say high heels could be considered an attack weapon. Well, obviously it is a crime. It's a felonious assault. Our officers marked a felonious assault because there's permanent damage here on her. Speak head more she slowly. Staples put in her forehead and on the side of her head. Yeah, staples in her forehead now. I right. don't know where she she had must have had the shoe in her hand already. Okay, let's so let's let's stop. <laughs> <laughs> Please now to explain. Give me the blow by blow of this story. All right. So there is the I'll, grand. I'll read the wire copy. Here. The grand dame of the strip club is fifty three. Oh I thought this was her, but it was a separate advertisement. No, that's a that's a monkey. <laughs> that's Tim. a monkey reserve. No, oh, that's that, that is not her. Okay. I don't believe that's the actual. That's the dancer in question. No. All right. So, so the, this comes to us from Akron, Ohio. All right. So the older woman is fifty three year old who? Joe Ellen Nolan. <laughs> Joe Ellen Nolan. She Joe says Ellen. she recently lost her job. So she accepted a friend's offer to take a position as a dancer at Club 1245 in Akron. But police say on her first night at work, one of her new co-workers took exception to her presence in the dressing room at the club and began shouting at her. Nolan, who's the older woman, said the other dancer then attacked her with a high heel shoe, striking her in the head multiple times. This is strange. So we're getting two different stories here. After bouncers broke up the fight, Nolan was taken to Akron General Hospital, treated for lacerations on her forehead and on the top side of her head. Doctors have used staples to uh, put uh, Nola back together again. She said the, wor the worst pain, nobody wants to get hit in the head, especially with a hard shoe. Well, that's true. So now she's saying that she's been hit. So, okay, so it is that the younger stripper hit the older stripper. That's what I don't, it sounds like. I now. don't know why I'm so fixated on the details in this case, but just be everything. <laughs> you really are. Everything about it is because, here's why. So because, there's a shoe and an old stripper and a young stripper. This yes. is why, though, because with the way the, the story was first read, it sounded very much like the context of this soundbite made it seem as though this woman in the soundbite was the younger stripper. Right. Out of nowhere, she, she had, must have had the shoe in her hand already. And I remember seeing her clock her like five or six times in the head, and Joe went back. Yeah. Wait a minute. Well, no, she that, sound more drunk. No, but that's, but listen, now, that's not either of the strippers. No, no that's, that's a, a witness. witness. Okay. It could be another stri <laughs> strippers do fight in the dressing room. But I mean, but so neither so A lot we don't... of strippers like hang out in, you know, like between shifts because they like, you know, so they, the they hate each other. So we don't have any, any, we don't have either of these strippers on, on tape though. So we don't. We have, we have the, the clobbery. No, the, older the older stripper, stripper was the first. All right, sound let's here. play the older stripper sound. Ladies and gentlemen, the older stripper. This is Joe Ellen. Just what I need, another new bee. Like I was taking her money or something. I hadn't even been on the floor. These girls are all much younger than me. I was no competition. Who is the new bee? What is a bee? What's the camera sound? <laughs> well, it's a photo <laughs> <lot>. Nothing <laughs> in the <laughs> story <laughs> makes <laughs> any sense. This is, that was the Akron paparazzi. Uh, <laughs> That's a guy named Smitty with like a press pass in the, yes. in the in the brim of his hat. I gotta get the big scoop. All right, whatever. I, you know, clearly there's just more knots here than we can untangle uh, on this on this show. There's, I mean, there's obviously so many layers to this. It's well, a, that's Akron life for you, I suppose. It is. A, it's a hotbed of sin and deviance, Tim. All right, here's Tim Riley at the news desk. A Klamath Falls woman who allegedly bought 180 cans of beer for kids is charged with criminal and negligent homicide. Because an 18-year-old who attended that party ended up dying. 33-year-old Roberta Jean Tamaki has been jailed. 
This according to the Kalamath Falls Herald and News. She turned herself in. Records show that 18-year-old Emilio Afaro died after the vehicle he was driving, flipped over and hit a telephone pole after he left the party. His blood alcohol content way over the legal limit. He was a 2008 Henley High School graduate who competed in the state level for wrestling. Uh, and we told you about this uh, this guy who's been shot and killed in Milwaukee after a standoff. He took three hostages, forced one of them to call hospitals demanding drugs on his behalf. Like, that was going to work. Uh, that, that's, they never grant these things. No, nope, even in Milwaukee. So he ended up getting shot, and uh, that was the end of the story, the hostages. And the monkey's been found. The monkey story that we've been telling you about. Now, first of all, I'm going to side with the monkey. Uh, the little girl was told several times not to bother the monkey because the monkey will get mad. This is when the monkey was sitting with its uh, owner on the park bench. And this is a service monkey. This monkey is at this man's service. And uh, his name is Warren Wilk. The monkey was trained to take care of him. The monkey has no teeth. The monkey did not bite this girl. The girl was told several times to not bother the monkey. And the monkey scratched her. Now, I wonder why they leave uh, the the claws on the monkey, though. If they remove the monkey's teeth, I mean, do you suppose, it, like, does it need the claws in, for some part well, of its service job? Well, I think it would be It's like removing a cat's claws. You don't want to do that. Even though you may not like cats, that's how the cat protects itself. Well, the oh. monkey can keep its claws. I hadn't, really, I hadn't thought about that. I guess if a cat is sort of... But if it's a service monkey... I mean, it's not like it's going to be roaming the neighborhood or something. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you ought to remove them. Just it's curious that they would take out the animal's teeth but leave the claws there. So I'm wondering if it's if that's going to if it's just like going to give you a good back scratching uh, or something. Because I guess the deal is it's got to well, be maybe sort of, he scratches his back. It's part of the services of the service monkey. You scratch my back, I'll maim a child. All right, are we clear? Good, fantastic. At, do, at any point has someone asked? I mean, can we get whoever it is that was interrogating the uh, you know about the Craigslist guy? Would you say he was more vile or horrendous, sir? Can we get him to go uh, interrogate his parent in Salem and to say, like, how many warnings would it have taken for you to keep your kid away from an animal and, you know, and one with claws at that? Like if the, the bullet that went through Miss Bridgman's heart, according to the medical examiner, would have caused her death immediately. That would have been the wrong soundbite. That's that's wrong, Tim. That is. Well, I picked one that didn't work. What can I do? That was uh, oh, the monkey man had gone to his uh, mother's house. And he was going to take the monkey along, but they decided to take a little rest on the park bench. Well, kids come around as they would if you had a monkey on your shoulder. And the little girl was told repeatedly over and over again, do not tease the monkey, do not tease the monkey, get away from the monkey. The monkey will get mad. The monkey got mad and scratched her, didn't mm -hmm. bite her. Don't taunt happy fun ball, don't screw with the monkey, kid. All right. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's uh, Rock 101 KUFO. When we come back, someone has sent me photos and video of the stripper uh, brawl. So I don't know if it's of the actual melee or if it's of the aftermath, but we'll find out. Later on, Harry Shearer joins us for part three of our three-part interview with him. And uh, your phone calls as well. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting in ADHD. He treated me like a dirty whore. Hey, free sex! The Rick Emerson Show returns. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up later on, part three of our three-part exclusive Harry Shearer interview. Uh, today he discusses more about his uh, love of The Simpsons and where Spinal Tap uh, is going after this unwigged and unplugged tour. Uh, let's see. What else will be coming up? We have a Geek Watch on the way. Uh, we have more updates on that monkey story. Lisa Desjardins from CNN Radio Capitol Hill. And this hour, it is High Concept Wednesday. As we're rolling out a high concept topic later on in the hour. It's 503-733-2970. couple things. Uh, don't forget, tomorrow we'll be talking to actress Portia de Rossi uh, right here on this uh, very fine radio show. And tomorrow as well, it is 7.30 tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, tomorrow night, 7.30 at The Mission, which is right there at 16th and Gleason in Northwest. It is KUFO's 
Cinemas Rocking the Red Shirts event. Uh, it is your chance to score a pair of tickets to see the new Star Trek film, which is uh, going to be premiering uh, right here in Portland on May 2nd, which is five days before it opens anywhere else. So you're going to be able to see it five days in advance and sort of uh, lord that uh, over all the uh, mere mortals around you who are not able to see it. So here's how you do it. You show up at the mission tomorrow at 7.30. Admission is free. Got to be uh, 21 and over. Admission is free. You wear a red shirt. Done. You wear a red shirt. You are entered to win a pass for two. Uh, Klingon metal band Stovacor is going to be providing the entertainment. Uh, Court and Fatboy will be there. We'll be there kind of, uh, you know, working the room and pressing the flesh, not in the Akron stripper way. Uh, that is tomorrow, 730 to 9.30 at the Mission, which is at 16th and Gleason, 730. Uh, your chance to score a free pass for two to the KUFO premiere of Star Trek uh, Saturday, May 2nd. So that happens tomorrow at uh, the Mission. You ought to Ooh. be there. Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. That missing Salem monkey has been found. It is a service monkey. It did not bite the girl. How do we know? The monkey has no teeth. The girl was told not to tease the monkey, but she didn't listen, and she was scratched by the monkey. Now, the monkey's been put in quarantine. It really wasn't the monkey's fault. Where did they find it? Did they find it no, at the, the guy's the, house? Well, the man he turned, turned himself in. in. Oh, okay. So they so they did and show the up at the police station. The monkey, He and the monkey agreed to turn themselves in. Are you picturing it like a thing where they show up and it's like the organ grinder and the monkey? Uh, where they've got, you know, like they're manacled to each other and the guy somehow is dressed up as like a, like a mime or something. And he sort of cranks the thing and the monkey goes... And then has grabs a pen and just scrawls like an X or something on the, uh, you know, on the, uh, on the self-turning in form or whatever. Which is really kind of weird. How do you, how do you like those trailblazers? They uh, won again, evening up the series at one apiece. Yahoo's uh, laying off 700 people as plummets profit. That accused Craigslist killer is being held without bail. He's been described as geeky, a bully, an awfully nice kid, polite and friendly, hateful, a great goose drinker, and a gambler who gambled at a casino where his mother worked. They say he had gambling debts, and that could be why he did it. From Utah comes this wonderful story. A teenager suspected of car burglary was so surprised when he opened a car door to find a police officer standing inside that he messed his pants. That according to this news story. Is that actually the way it's written? Yes, he, he messed his pants. He messed, he messed his, his pants. pants. Mm-hmm. So the boy dashed into a friend's home where a party was going on, say police. Officers led into the house. They found him and discovered he had soiled himself. You could smell him. He told us, yes, I crapped my pants. Wow. Really? Welcome yes. to the breakfast hour. Really? Jesus, God. What what newspaper is that from? That is from the Deseret News. The Deseret News is right there in beautiful... Uh, that is behind the Zion Curtain, as they say, Tim. That is right there in Salt Lake City, Utah. I like how they want... This is fantastic. How they'll actually use his quote mm-hmm. where, where he says, he says, crap. But then for the lead of the story, they actually write, messed his pants. As opposed to, let's say, I don't know, the more professional sounding, perhaps soiled himself. That's how I might have gone, or perhaps uh, lost control of his uh, bells. How would the Mormons phrase I, that? Well, apparently, by myth, apparently, well, I he, guess uh, it wouldn't be in the Book of Mormon. No, no. He made a uh, he made a puck puck, Tim. All right, I'm sorry. Here's Tim Riley. Well, uh, Steve-O has uh, documented his life on tape due to popular demand, including his days at the Ringling Brothers Barman Bailey Circus. This is uh, Steve-O of, of Jackass fame, who yes. I think has got... There's a documentary or something coming out about him, I think. A spinoff M- of Wild Boys. Yeah, MTV's going to be... They have a whole a whole thing they're going to be presenting on him. So he went to this clown college, which uh, led to a job at a flea market circus. There he said he was a cocaine-addicted clown. Ultimately, I got a job in this flea market circus. Hey! 
The flea market circuits that I worked in would do two shows on Friday, three shows on Saturday, and three shows on Sunday. And typically I would do cocaine through all of them without sleeping in it. I was a cocaine addicted clown in a flea market circus. How about that? How about that, kids? That is the saddest quote I've ever heard. Is there a lower rung on the showbiz ladder? Good God. I'll get your reality show. So, uh, hey, kids, who wants to, uh. Who wants to be a, a cocaine addicted clown? <laughs> who, raise your hand. Who wants to help me out? I'm going to be on the nod for a while over here. Who wants to sort of bat the flies away from my face while I sleep? That's great. <laughs> That's wonderful. He continues to speak of his colorful life. From the point when I bailed out of the University of Miami, I was homeless for three years and in high gear filming stunts with my video camera. And over the course of those three years, it became clear that I wasn't really getting anywhere towards being a coming a stuntman. So I found out about Ringling Brothers Barnum Belly Clown Back College, to clowning. That it was free to get into. It had no tuition. Clown College was statistically harder to get into than Harvard. Over 2,000 people applied and only 30 That's got just in. not true. Statistically speaking. If Brothers Barnum Bailey associated with me in any way, then all of this stupid crap I've been doing with a video camera will somehow become legitimate. They didn't pick me for the circus after I graduated from Clown College. It's I was hard kind to believe. of bummed about that. But uh, it made sense, you know? Like, I wanted to be a stuntman, and they were looking for clowns. <laughs> he checked in and out of mental institutions also. <laughs> But you I mean, can't. I, just, I, I don't believe that it, it's more difficult than getting. No, 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 but, but see, so. the clown college will be at our school speaking to prospective students. Just coming in with like his big floppy shoes. We don't just accept anybody. The, you can't just make something true by putting the word statistically speaking in front of it. That's like some full-on Dirk Diggler uh, dialogue that he's uh, that he's doing there. With Amber, you know that people think that it is easy to get into clown college, but statistically speaking, it's harder to get into than Harvard. Wow! Can you just play that play that part again about the uh, about the clown college? Just right up to where he, where he says the thing about being it, it being harder to get into. From the point when I bailed out of the University of Miami, yeah. I was homeless for three years and in high gear filming stunts with my video camera. And over the course of those three years, it became clear that I wasn't really getting anywhere towards being a coming a stuntman. So I found out about Ringling Brothers Barnum Bailey Clown College that it was free to get into. It had no tuition. <laughs> Clown College was statistically harder to get into than Harvard. Okay. That, I have so many questions about this. First of all, how does it operate if it's free to get into? Is it like a banner ad pops up at the front of the classroom or something every 30 seconds? I don't know. This is the first I've heard of it. Is the, I mean, I guess I should have assumed that there would be a Barnum and Bailey Clown College because there's clown colleges. Is for... this a community clown college or an Ivy <laughs> League where, clown that's start. That's where you have to start off at. Um, the, right, it's a mail order, uh, clown college is, I mean, I'm just going to start ending things with statistically speaking. Uh, that's how it's I end everything easy. with in accordance with prophecy. Yeah. The, so, okay. Does anybody know anybody who's gone to clown college? Does anybody here, do we know anybody who's done this? No. Because my question is, first of all, what a, a clown college is one of those things that you always, that people just refer to. It's like a pop culture. Uh, deal, right? It's just a thing that you reference. Originally, it was in Venice, Florida. Then it so, moved to Barbaroo, Wisconsin, and then back to Florida. No, but I mean, it so but what do they teach you, though? Kind what does one juggle? learn? What is one? It's like how you always like that Art Institute of Seattle, where you call the eight hundred number and then you and then like you paint water lilies or something. Like what? What do they teach you at a at a clown college where you're where you're actually having to go there and sit in the classroom? And if it's free, 
Like, are, if it's free, do you then have to pay it off by being an indentured servant to Barnum and Bailey for the next five years? Is that like how they, we will pay you a freight to America, but in exchange, you will squirt seltzer and sing, you swing from a rope uh, from now until 2015. This is very strange because Steve-O seemed to be reading the Wikipedia entry for the Clown College. <laughs> really? Word for word. What does the Wikipedia entry for Clown College say, Tim? Well, it says here, it is also said admission to the institution is more challenging than being accepted at Harvard Law School. Did you suppose tuition he, is free? Do you suppose that he went online yes. and and augmented that Wikipedia entry afterward to sort of re- reflect his boob statement that he made about it being you know such a challenging admission? More than process? likely, does the entry clarify how it is that they can offer free tuition? And it like, does not. Well, that just doesn't make any sense. Although students were responsible for their own room and board. At Clown College, mm-hmm. does it say how long Clown College lasts? Is it a four-year program? Each yearly session was held in the fall. The number of students submitted to any year's session varied, but it ranged from 30 to 50, with the vast majority being men. Let me ask you this. When is the last time anybody here went to the circus? I'm trying to remember. And, and like a Cirque du Soleil thing doesn't count. I mean, I like the traditional, like a traditional big top circus. At a, at a station back east, the station I was working at sponsored a circus, and that the tent collapsed, and most of the people rushed to the hospital. It was a PR disaster. We removed. That counts. <laughs> we gave away tickets to fill up the circus tent. Come to the circus of death. Come to. Wow. And ambulances the circus of pain tonight with Tim Riley. Did the tent collapse all at once, or was it in a series? It was like all at once. This huge beam just. Just whacked people over the side of the head, and they're all unconscious under this collapsed circus tent that we have brought to town. That's the best thing I've ever heard. So it wasn't, but because in my in my mind's eye, was all the of, one she said that, that was destroyed. We had nothing to do with this ever. Go back, go back, and burn the sales presentation materials. Exactly. Oh. Uh, uh, I was sort of picturing them sending in street teamers to retrieve the station banners so they could be shredded. But I was sort of picturing it like, um, I was sort of picturing I mean, the, it like the animals weren't what they were supposed what, to be. It's like, yeah. it's like animals. There were people walking German shepherds and, you know, they had an ant- <laughs> antler stapled to their head. <laughs> What's this? It's a basilope. Shut up. Move along. Exactly. They were making up the names of these animals that didn't exist. Oh, wow. This is a uh, spotty-tailed winglebottom. It doesn't look like a move along. So, But I was picturing like a series of dominoes where there was you know, pillars or posts or something, and like one would snap, then the other, then oh, the no, other. the whole thing went down at once. Was it just that middle? What was holding up the tent? The what? Was it the, the beam right in the center? Some old rotted piece of wood <laughs> propped up was by this, some metal stakes. What, was this Barnum and Bailey, or was it like? Well, it doesn't sound like it no, could it have been. No, it wasn't Barnum and Bailey. This it was. It was like Harnum and Schmaley or something. Yes, something like that. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to say the name in case it's still in business. <laughs> Those things are always in business. They they never ever ever go away because there's always uh, some a tiny little. It's not like and it's never like a state fair and it's never even like the officially sanctioned county for, fair. It's always for a good cause. It's like you know help children get new noses or something like that. <laughs> or help burn victims now. How can you refuse? We can do it by crushing a, a you know a five thousand children underneath a circus tent exactly. when it collapses. <laughs> 
Oh wow! Was there any warning, or did it? No, I mean, it went at once. How how long did you? Would you think that it took the circus tent to collapse? Oh, it was like like ten seconds after everybody <laughs> sitting down waiting for the, you're a creak and smash. <laughs> I was the first one out. Were there pictures of that in the R and R? I don't like to be so. out on the street section. Where it's like a area broadcaster Tim Riley at a recent station event, and it's you with just rows of ambulances in the background taking up mangled bodies from under the tent. This was the same station that had the contest win anything in the world when we only had a microwave oven and a pair of electric scissors. We we chose the two biggest prizes that you asked for. <laughs> What does that mean? Win anything in the world? world? Who wants electric scissors? I don't even know what electric scissors are. I mean, I guess I could suss out that there's scissors that run on electricity, but I mean... I don't think they make them anymore. But I mean, like, were they really like like office scissors, or were these like... Win anything in the world, including electric scissors. That's sort of like in the jerk when he's doing that, uh, win anything in these three inches. That includes the bicentennial pencil sharpener, but not the chiclets. I mean, we had cases of them. I don't know how we got them. Of electric scissors? Electric scissors. I don't know if they make them anymore. Uh, were these like, were they for to cutting for cutting hair? Paper. <laughs> for people too lazy to use standard scissors. <laughs> uh, we have this. We also have a... Uh, dangerous. We have a food chewer as well. Who wants that? Wow, do they have? Do they run on batteries? <laughs> yes, they did. Okay, so they didn't plug into the wall. At least, thank no. God for small favors mm -hmm. like that electric bread knife that we had when I was a kid. That was a, my dad took him all of like a day to cut through the cord with it because he was drunkenly trying to slice up some sourdough. Where's the you know? And it immediately just shorted everything out. Oh, win anything in the world. Yes. As long as it's in these three inches on this one display shelf right here. Fantastic. Well, that's excellent. All right. It is the Rick Emerson Show. Coming up next, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins joins today's merriment. Later on, part three of our exclusive three-part interview with Harry Shearer of Simpsons and Spinal Tap fame. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It is 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Two nine seventy coming up here in mere moments. We have CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins who will be uh, joining us from Capitol Hill. Tim Riley is tracking the following stories on this Wednesday. That missing Salem monkey was found. It never bit the girl. The monkey has no teeth. It was the girl's mom for teasing it. Amanda shot and killed in Milwaukee after taking three hostages. The Trailblazers win, evening up the series at one apiece. More Oregonians will soon qualify for unemployment benefits. The accused Craigslist killer is either a geeky boulder, a bully, an awfully nice kid, polite and friendly, or has a hatred for people. A Florida woman is attacked by a 200-pound wild boar. And the boy finds a forgotten gun and shoots himself in the hand. A Klamath Falls woman who bought 180, pounds, uh, 180 cans of beer for kids is in trouble. Twitter traffic jumps 43% after Oprah joins in. I mean, somebody's emailing here. They want to know if you were inside the circus tent when it collapsed. <laughs> I was. Really? <laughs> were you close to an exit? I made my own exit. Did you? <laughs> did you had to crawl crawl uh, for safety over the broken bodies of others? The, well, I didn't look. <laughs> you I got just, as quickly as possible. <laughs> you feel like it was like you were in um, like you were in the Poseidon Adventure or something. Well, I wasn't getting a talent fee for being there, so I didn't feel that I had to do anything <laughs> except save my own life. <laughs> well, that's as it that's as it is, Tim. Yeah, it makes that, sense to me. <laughs> that is the definition of uh, capitalism in this uh, in this fair country of ours. Were there many sponsors and advertisers and third party uh, businesses sold into said circus events? Yes, they all were. That, they right. were all, 
They were all accessories to this crime. I can't wait to be part of this exciting event that uh, K-whatever is going to be uh, putting on. I'm, I'm going to sink my entire year's advertising budget into this. It's for the children. <laughs> Don't miss out. Show you care. I was just picturing like an endless procession of people going into the emergency room where it's like kid, adult, adult, clown, kid, kid, dog with antlers on its head, kid, kid, adult, <laughs> clown. Uh, that reminds me, it was actually, as you were telling that story, I was looking at the um, this uh, this book that Susan Reynolds lent to us. This is from 1970, we decided it was. Uh, the Handbook of Radio Publicity and Promotion. This is by Jack McDonald. And this is a three-ring binder from 1970 where they detail all kinds of things that you, yes, you, can do at your radio station to increase your ratings and revenue. And speaking of, uh, of, of sales and that circus, Tim, on page 253 it says... A major portion of promotions contained in this book are salesworthy, and you would be foolish if you did not approach them with sales in mind. However, it says, and keep in mind, by the way, this radio uh, promotions and publicity book is 39 years old. However, as we know from experience, there is oftentimes, Tim, a lack of coordination between the sales aspects and the programming aspects of a particular promotion. Sometimes, no one knows exactly who is telling what to whom. Also... Your microphone is off, you bastard, but I can hear you laughing. <laughs> also on the sales side, your sales manager needs to know which of his salesmen is pitching what promotion to which client and what the conditions of the sale are. Otherwise, problems might ensue. To help solve this problem, and then they've attached a promotion sales form. Copies should be in the hands of the sales department. This way you will avoid many of the headaches involved in trying to track down who has promised what and when. No radio station wants a disastrous promotion on their hands. <laughs> and then in my head, like Arrested Development style, it just jump cuts to the circus tent collapsing and the assembled screams of thousands within, muffled by canvas and death. Oh, that's great. And I can sort of, and I can totally see that promotion being done like at the year end recap where they're sort of doing a slideshow in the conference room. And, uh, this was our really successful, uh, uh, circus of, uh, circus of local stars for children campaign. And it's like slide, slide, slide number one is the tent being built. Slide two is crowd streaming. And then slide three is just blood and tears. <laughs> just flat canvas and ambulances everywhere. Oh, that's wonderful. It is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 UFO. We'll take a break. Straight ahead news with Tim Riley and High Concept Wednesday. You stay there. It's Rock 101 KUFO. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101 KUFO. It's in the radio promotion handbook, Tim. It must be a good idea. Hmm. Let's see here. Page 305 from the 1970 radio promotions handbook. Have a pretty girl visit each of your clients in person and bring them a cake. By the way, that's, uh, that immediately follows the... Uh, that immediately follows Honor the Housewives Week. Tim, let's not forget the ladies. They make up the bulk of your daytime listeners. Instead of suggesting an elaborate promotion, we are recommending you pay a simple tribute to as many housewives as possible. I like how they don't get the elaborate promotion, even though they make up, quote, the bulk of your daytime listeners. 
What with their tiny female brains and all, you have to do something simple. Something Give away it, some cupcake trays. Something elaborate appreciate would, that. would be wasted on such an audience. Give away some feather dusters. <laughs> and that leads into feather dusters? the final segment of this, uh, by the way, this uh, handbook of radio publicity and promotion. It's just nothing. I mean, it's, it's amazing how little some things have changed. It's just something but uh, pages and pages of bad jokes. <gasps> Please to be reading one. Let's see here. Um... Well, they've got liners you can do, such as, listen to this, Here's this isn't a joke, this is actually a liner where it says, you know, like, uh, and they, they always, they use the colors WZZZ here, it's like standing colors. Like a good liquor, WZZZ travels well. Put it on your car radio dial and take it everywhere you go, you know, like liquor. Uh, let's see, how about this? So this is page, uh, this is page 343. These are just, uh, these are apparently wacky one-liners that your DJ in 1970 could be using from the Handbook of Radio Publicity and Promotions. You know, Tim, hey, wait, do we have uh, appropriate sound effects for this? Yes. You know, Tim, uh, it's like I always say, uh, running after women never hurt anybody. It's catching them that does the damage. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. How about this? I guess Bob Crane would use that. <laughs> yes, he would, Tim. Um, so I'm here, come here to set up this tripod. You know, Tim, it's like I always say, women who are not interested in clothes are probably not interesting in clothes. Wait, I don't even know what that means. Women yeah. who are not interested in clothes, in clothes won't be interesting. are probably not interesting in clothes. So they're I, interesting I that, out of clothes? I think that's a typo. I, is, was, I, I would say out of. Is that a, is if that I was going to rewrite that joke to be used on the air in 1970. Women who are not <laughs> interested in clothes are probably not interesting in clothes. That doesn't sound right. Well, how would it... Okay, how how is it supposed to be be read? Out of clothes. I would think so. Women who are not interested in clothes are probably not interested out of clothes? Interesting out of clothes. Well, you wouldn't say out of clothes. That doesn't make any sense. That out doesn't of even their sound clothes? Like, that doesn't even sound like correct English. <laughs> I hate saying the word clothes. <laughs> now, now it sounds strange. All right. And uh, finally, we have uh, we have this one. This is uh, our final joke today from the uh, this is from the handbook of radio publicity uh, and promotion. You know, Tim, it's uh, it's like I always say: every merry man should forget his mistakes. There's no sense in two people remembering the same thing. <laughs> That is true. Uh, no. Life in these. Those are from the swinging seventies. <laughs> That's right, Tim. All right. At the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Well, how about those Blazers? They won. They beat the Houston Rockets, one hundred seven to one hundred three. Now the series is tied at one game apiece. It was a pretty exciting game too. I'm not a big uh, basketball fan. Uh, Brayden Roy scored 42 points, and the Portland Trail Blazers beat the Rockets. Aaron Brooks led a late charge and finished with 23 points for Houston. Uh, let's see, LaMarcus Aldrich scored 27 points and 11 rebounds for the Blazers. What a game. Then we had uh, Greg Oden's dunk. He pulled the Blazers into an 89 all tie with 4.45 left before Steve Blake's finger roll put them ahead. I guess they're serving snacks on the court. Uh, Portland extended the lead 96 to 90 after Travis Outlaw, that sounds like a country singer, uh, hit a jumper and Roy made a falling down three pointer. Is that exciting? I was just waiting to see if you were, if you were done. Your inflection is actually so neutral at this point as you're sort of wading your way through a thicket of sports, uh, sentences. I think I'm almost done. I'm unclear. To make about a long when story short. The Blazers beat the Rockets 107 to, uh, 103. All right. Excellent. There you go. That's, uh, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. I'm much better at monkey stories. The Salem monkey has been found. The monkey was not hiding. The monkey never bit the little girl. The monkey has no teeth. The monkey had claws. The little girl was told several times, 
Get away from the monkey. Get away from the monkey. She didn't listen. Of course, the parents didn't help here, blaming the monkey. So uh, the girl was scratched and not bitten. This is a service monkey. It is trained to serve this Salem man. It's to serve man, Tim. Monkey is to serve man. It is like a butler. You sounded like you sounded like a really angry Marlon Perkins right now, like as if you were laying down the law about the natural order of things in the universe. Well, I'm upset at the other media saying that the monkey bit someone when the monkey has no teeth. Do we know how old the girl was? Uh, somewhere. If she was like, what? I mean, do we... I know the monkey is 20. So the monkey, I mean, but is that in monkey years or is that? In monkey years. All right. It's a girl monkey, too. Uh, so the, but do we know, like, if it was, I mean, was she like five? Was she 10? I would say at least 10. I mean, if she was 10, because you figure there's like the age of reason, which I do believe in the Catholic faith is believed to be eight. Uh, so once you were past the age of, I don't know, you're 10 years old. It seems like you ought to be, you ought to know not to go through. Wouldn't you well, think well, that? Well, that's what I, I was thinking when I read this other story about this 12-year-old who found a missing gun. And the first thought he had was to put the gun to his head and pull the trigger. This is a 12-year-old? Yeah. Oh, see, when you when you read that uh, the headline earlier, I thought it was like it was a much, much younger child. No, 12. So your first thought is to put a gun to your head and pull the trigger? It just, that makes no sense. So if you're like 10 years old, though, and you see the monkey, wouldn't you think that it's like an inherent thing that it is somehow, it is, uh, evolution somehow puts into your head that you should just leave a strange animal alone? I mean, if you can't really, if you don't know the animal, you're not really familiar with how it might behave, it would seem like pure Darwinism would have evolved out the impulse to just go up and just start screwing with the thing. Well, I, I think that's Disney's fault because it trains children and conditions them from a young age to love rodents and animals unconditionally. <laughs> Because you're waiting for it to start singing in the voice of Jennifer Aniston. It, it, it's like, you know, the mouse is going to hug you. The mouse doesn't have arms long enough to put around you. The mouse will, mouse will hug you with its teeth and with rabies. Right, here's <laughs> Tim Riley. Time for a uh, quadruple geek watch. Here's your quadruple wow. geek watch for Tuesday or uh, Wednesday on the uh, Rick and Show. Ugh, this high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar Dilemma, remember, you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but because we were wondering if the quantum flux... And just listen, on there, there is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no... The best part is you can hear him angrily shit. throwing his pen down it? there. Energize. You listen really closely. When when the kid presses Tim Allen on the quantum flux part, you can hear Tim Allen just do that. And he angrily throws the pen down on the table, which is fantastic. So Gene Roddenberry's wife made sure her dogs would get to live in one of their multi-million dollar mansions until they die. There's even a full million dollar residential trust set up simply to upkeep the doggies. A domestic employee named Romulda, the person who cared for the pups, gets one million dollars and the right to live with the dogs. Who was it? Who else died that left uh, like a mansion or something for their dogs? It was um, I want to say uh, uh, what's her name, Leona Helmsley, but that might be wrong. Is she dead? Isn't she? I don't know. Or is she just in prison? Did no, she I go to prison? Yeah, she did. All right, she was the you know. Well, I the think she's dead now because they were just talking about her recently. The taxes are for little people. I think Leona Helmsley left. It was a, she left like her everything her, to her dog. Yeah, yeah, and it was like an Upper West Side place in in Manhattan, and she left everything to the dog, and then there was like some, you know, it was sort of an inversion of your monkeys are here to serve man, where it was like, uh, you know, she had some guy that was just there to like tuck Fluffy in every night. So anyway, this uh, maid, or domestic employee, say, uh, it says she deserves a massive amount of cash because she did an excellent job of caring for my animals, giving them comparable or better care than I would have given them myself in my lifetime. As for Roddenberry's son, he gets the Bel Air Mansion, $60 million up front, and a $10 million bonus when he turns 35, 40, and 45. Excellent. So he so he gives like a graduated sort of congratulations for not having died uh, at each of those decades. A new study claims that close to one out of 10 U.S. children is addicted to video games. 
Professor Gentile says 8.5% of children between the ages of 8 and 18 are psychological players, oh, pathological players of video games. Gentile Pro- says. Professor Gentile? Yes, Professor Gentile. Is that two names or one? Professor Gentile, two words. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like title? Jennifer Teal or something. No, not that right, I know. Okay. His name is Douglas. Uh, he says that the average child spends about 45 hours a week in front of a television or computer screen. He says he's been studying video games and their effect on children for a decade. He's also the research director of the National Institute on Media and Family. Part three. It was announced this week that Starlog, the long-running science fiction magazine, would cease publication after 33 years and 374 issues. The magazine will continue in digital format. In its heyday, the late 70s through the early 90s, Starlog was a vital part of geek conversation covering movies, television, books, games, all that fell within the sci-fi realm. The magazine's demise comes at the hands of the Internet. A fate both fitting and bittersweet. So Starlog, if you, the Starlog was a sort of a, there was a triumvirate of magazines uh, that existed back in the 70s up through, I think, the early 90s for the most part in terms of mainstream readership. There was Fangoria, which covered sort of horror movie culture and especially like slasher movies and monster movies. There was Starlog. Uh, which was the sci-fi equivalent of Fangoria, where it was a lot of like Star Trek and Star Wars and you know the, the various other sci-fi properties that were released, and they were they were kind of like the ain't it cool news of its day, where they had a lot of advanced photos and sort of leaked information that the studios would give them uh, to sort of hype people up for upcoming sci-fi films. And then the third part was Omni Magazine, which I think has gone through. I don't think Omni Magazine. I remember is that. Yeah. Do you remember reading Omni? Yeah, I sure did. And Omni was sort of a it, Omni was, I guess, a mix of science. Science fiction writing, but then actual uh, uh, sort of science news. Like glossy covers of planets and things. That's and there was a they had some sort of a robot uh, that was their mascot, and the robot I think looked a lot like IQ ninety nine from Star Blazers, but I could be wrong about that. And so it was a, a kind of a confluence of like uh, Ray Bradbury magazine and like Popular Mechanics or something, and it appealed. The, and all of these magazines, especially Omni and Starlog. Um, not unlike Popular Mechanics, they appealed to the same guy who today would be watching like Mythbusters or something. It was a very much that guy who kind of sits at home and he's like, you know, he's trying to figure out how to make like a nuclear powered pencil sharpener or electric scissors. Yes, uh, Tim, uh, that too. So, and I think of those three magazines, I think Omni is gone, Starlog is gone. They're online only. I think Fangoria is still around, but I mean, it, it, it doesn't like that. That could be long for this uh, for this world either. So, all right, well there you go. And finally. The winds of change are in the air at Sci-Fi Network. According to TV Guide, the channel will change its name from Sci-Fi to Sci-Fi. That's S-Y-F-Y. Beginning July 7th. The uh, president of this network, David Howe, says it'll give the network a less geeky image. No, that's... here's He goes on to rattle his gun, saying it'll make us feel cooler, much more cutting edge, much more hip. Can you imagine all the meetings that went into this? They had 300 other possibilities before settling on sci-fi. Yeah, so it's spelled, it's the, the new, and I don't know when that takes place or if it already has. It looks I, like Siffy. I, it, it looks dumb. And it's going it to confuse like. kids and encourage them to spell incorrectly. It looks, it looks like a stock ticker uh, symbol or something where they just reduced the company's name down to four letters. I haven't watched sci-fi, I don't think, since Battlestar went off the air. That was a couple weeks ago. But the sci-fi network... Their whole thing is they want to broaden it out, right? It's like, no, 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 we don't. It, like, they don't just want it to be basement-dwelling guys. And I suppose they could do that by not just having, like, Raptor Planet on every night. That would also be, like, you could augment the programming so it's not just, like, a bunch of C-level garbage whenever Stargate isn't on. <laughs> that being said, that is so much better than his first explanation. They, he's gone through about nine different justifications for why sci-fy is changing its name to sci-fi spelled S-Y. And they're doing that that weird thing where it's uppercase, lowercase, uppercase, lowercase, but it's oh, all yeah. one word. S-Y-F-Y. 
This is what his explanation was. He said with a straight face at a press conference, he goes, well, uh, we're going to be changing it to sci-fi, S-Y-F-Y, because that's how all the kids text it these days, which is a lie. That's just a flat-out uh, fabrication. He went on to lie. It gives us a unique word and gives us the opportunities to imbue it with the values and perception, whatever that means. It means nothing at all, Tim. That's jettling just... his gums. He'll be out of a job in six months. <laughs> And we will be richer for it. Oh, by the way, uh, Leona Hemsley died in 2007. She and left $12 million to her beloved pet Maltese. And now you know the rest of the story. It's your Triple Geek Watch on the Rick Emerson Show. Hammer by the sons of Warvan. I shall avenge you. Next. Oh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. It's Rock 101 KUFO. All the new free HD stations in your area, check your local station guide online at hdradio.com. If you don't have an HD radio, you're not hearing HD radio. It's time to upgrade. One-stop shopping for all your cult-like devotion. Nazis have boobs, too. RickEmerson.com. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Show. It is Rock 101 KUFO. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include... Uh, it's already such a day. Uh, tomorrow, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week. Portia de Rossi, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and we will have uh, Lost. In- Wait, is there Lost tonight? No. No, it's no. a... Um, right. Yeah, it's just a recap. Tonight. So we will not be having Lost. In- no Lost tonight. All right. Uh, so tomorrow we will have uh, Portia de Rossi, though, and Kelly Clark uh, from the Willamette Week. It's 503 Seventy. Uh, coming up in mere moments, we'll do uh, today's high concept topic. It is High Concept Wednesday, and here's how you uh, here's how you play High Concept Wednesday. I say play as though there's like a like an actual like a goal to it. Uh, you must now complete the following sentence: The album I bought for one song, the rest of which was never ever ever listened to, was blank. So it's a 503-733-2970. Complete this sentence. It is High Concept Wednesday. You simply complete this phrase. The album I bought for one song, the rest of which was never, ever, ever listened to, was blank. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. We'll do uh, headlines in just one moment. Sarah Dillon, uh, please to give an example. The album I bought for one song, the rest of which was never, ever listened to, was what? When I was in fifth grade, I bought uh, the whole Vanilla Ice um, album, and all I wanted to listen to was Ice Ice Baby. Because I don't think I ever listened to the rest of it. I think I heard Stop That Train maybe a couple times. Yeah. But- yeah, but that's about it. Uh, here's the great thing about uh, that little marketing uh, trick that they did. SBK Records, which was his label at the time, they made sure to never release Ice Ice Baby as a single. So you had no choice but to buy oh. the record. It sounds like it had the uh, intended effect. How about you? Can you think of one? Yes. Uh, the album I bought for one song, the rest of which was never, ever, ever listened to, was the Jewel of the Nile soundtrack, which featured When the Going Gets Tough, The Tough Gets Going uh, by Billy Ocean. <gasps> oh, I also bought the Bodyguard soundtrack just for I Will Always Love Soundtracks you. are the best. Soundtracks, they always bad. get you. Especially pre top gun soundtracks uh when it was like you'd buy beverly hills cop you know because you wanted to hear axel f because like who's sitting there going i gotta hear the nubian dance i don't even know what a nubian is uh ladies and gentlemen tim riley's working in the following headlines on this wednesday morning that missing salem monkey has been found the monkey didn't bite the little girl the monkey has no teeth they shot and killed in milwaukee after taking three hostages the trailblazers win that evens up the series at one apiece the accused Craigslist killer is being held without bail. A Florida woman is attacked by a 200-pound wild hog. An Akron stripper beats a co-worker with a stiletto. A boy finds a forgotten gun and shoots himself. A Calabath Falls woman about 180 pounds of... I, sh- I always say pounds. It's 180 cans of beer for the kids is in trouble. And Twitter traffic jumps 43%. 
when Oprah joins in. Mm, Sorry. It's so jump the shark. Yeah. We'll do we'll do uh, the high concept thing here in a second, but there's two different things. So Sarah would look like you were pulling something out of your no, eye. No, I had a hair like in my eye. I was rubbing it. It was really painful. Was that like your thing of the contact lens this morning, Tim, where you put it in? What, did you fold it we're over or something? We're apart today. What did you do? Did you put, for, it, put it in for, sideways? Sideways? For, for some reason, it folded up on my finger. As a, the, one of the first things I do when I get up in the morning is put my contact lenses in. And today I was extra tired for some reason. It was that thing where you where you were trying to put it in your eye and or and then it just sort of like was it just that hey, it, it got stuck there and then you can't open your eye to get it out and we, you're thinking okay what do I do I have to drive several miles to get to work with a contact lens folded up sideways stuck in my eye oh see that's the worst and when it folds over and it's like you've got to, it's like a small plasticky uh, taco mm-hmm. uh, that's stuck inside your eye and then if it goes it does that thing of like uh, uh, going over into the corner or something. Yeah. And as you said, and then it keeps going around and around and around. And, you can't stop it. and it's just, it's like the most, it's like the most excruciating pain too. I mean, it really is just, it is like a singular kind of torment. Yeah. Anything being stuck in your eye, around yeah. your contact lens, under your contact lens. Well, putting a contact is one of those things you pretty much do in your sleep. It's something you do every morning. That's true. And you do it. I mean, and it is a thing that you do uh, by rote. You do it by habit. And that only though, it's like driving uh, by habit. That it, it only really works if there's nothing sort of unexpected that's happening. You know, there's nothing that's coming out of the blue. If there's any sort of uh, deviation from the plan, then it just throws everything uh, under the bus. I remember putting my contact lenses in one time when I was I had really really uh, long hair at the time, and it was I mean it was absurdly long. And I did this thing, and again it was in the early morning, so I didn't really uh, recognize uh, that this was the case. But I go to put my contact lens in. And I put it in, and I guess what I must have done is I had a long strand of hair, and it was, and the strand of hair was between the contact lens and my eye. Oh, that is awful. Oh, no, but it gets so much worse. So I go to put my contact lens in, and I go, and I seal the strand of hair between my contact lens and my eye. And then, of course, guys who have really long hair know what you do. You just immediately flip back your hair, and it just kind of went, and it just yanked this piece of hair, like, directly across my, uh, was that back in the days when you had that scary serial killer hair? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, that was the but case. But we got that all fixed up. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. It is Rock 101 KUFO. Around the corner, High Concept Wednesday. You complete this sentence. The album I bought for one song, the rest of which was never, ever, ever listened to, was blank. That's straight ahead. It's the Rick Emerson Show. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Oh, yeah. No, she's, uh, no, yeah, no. Daddy, daddy likes her. Ew. This is Rock 101 KUFO. That's great. It's the ew that sells that there. That's wonderful. I, that's so funny because I was actually thinking ew in my head when I was listening to that promo. <laughs> well, it's art imitating life imitating art, Sarah. All right. 503-733-2970. All right, so you remember that moment when we had Portia de Rossi booked on the show for tomorrow? That time has passed. Here's what just if it if we kind of got into a time warp there. If it sounds like uh, a bunch of things were just happening at once, if it sounds like we just cut the high concept uh, topic uh, short before it even began, so uh, my apologies to the people who called in for that. So just as we were getting ready to do that, we kind of announced the high concept thing. We go to Tim, and then I see uh, those calls coming in and the warm line ringing, which is our guest line, and I look down and I think, 
That's odd. And my first thought was, that I wonder if it's... Solid. That's exactly that's what, what I thought. That's what I thought, too. I'm like, are we I, off the air? I'm like, no, no, see, no, but that wasn't... See, it's funny how we, our minds work, because you immediately look at the, the warm line ringing, and you think that, like, the transmitter's been blown up. I immediately think, Chris Paddock is calling to talk about the time that he bought the Los Del Rio record, and there was nothing else on it that was any good. It turned out to be neither of those things. It turned out to be Portia de Rossi, call, uh, de Rossi calling, because she was under the impression that the interview was today. Uh, which it was not. So uh, we are going to uh, endeavor to reschedule that for tomorrow. But that uh, if that doesn't happen... Well, if anything, we'll find some other fabulous guest for tomorrow. See, don't fill my head with lies. <laughs> don't see... You know what that is? That's like uh, that's like when you're a kid and you want to go do something and you're not able to do it and suddenly your mom tries to peddle some fiction of like, I'll make it up to you, bye, and then like fill in something that's, you know, that is in no way related to the thing you missed. So that's like if you – that's like being taken to see the Steve-O, the cocaine-using uh, flea market uh, clown when you're not able to go see Fallout Boy or we something. We could talk to Tom Kenny, the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants. Really? Oh, yeah. Did you really want to? Can we do it now? Uh, can we do it now <laughs> but have it scheduled for last week? Um, no, probably we, not. Do you want to talk to Rich about don't eat that. It can kill you. Doctor warns heart disease, diabetes, and cancer can be caused by normal everyday foods. No, probably not. Okay. Is that the extent of the guests that we've offered? Health myths. Talk about a new book that exposes them. No, I'm I'm already I'm already tired of this. Okay. All right. Oh, hey, maybe we could uh, we could talk to Peter Carlin, uh, who is finishing up his savaging of uh, coin television. I don't know what really? it is, man. They must have done something to him at some point. I got the feeling that somebody at Coin TV, uh, like, backed over uh, Peter's dog or something some years back. Is it about anybody I know? Um, well, you did work there. I did. Uh, so it's entirely possible. Uh, did you ever know Jeff Allen, as he was apparently known in some circles? I did. Not he was known my, as that in other circles. He was my boss. Really? We had meetings, like, after the show every day. You may be interested in this piece from the Oregonian, Sarah. Oh, this is, God, it is a, do? It is a three... Well, it's not so much what did he do, it's what didn't he do. Um, there is a three-part series that concluded yesterday in the Oregonian that our good friend Peter Carlin wrote. Because I was trying to get Carlin on Outlook Portland, which is this TV show that I do on what is now known as Northwest 32... I talked to him and Carlin goes, nah, okay, I'm just like hip deep in this, uh, I'm hip deep in this Jeff Allen thing. It just starts with this. The first piece says, Jeff Allen says, finally, it's all true. Jeff Allen isn't exactly his given name. What? And the social security number he's used for most of the past 23 years, that's not his either. The former news director at Coin6 acknowledges he abruptly left his family in Los Angeles in 1986. <sighs> Well, this is like some Don Draper thing. Has since been distant from his three daughters, so distant that his ex-wife had him declared dead in 1993. Oh, my God. I worked with that guy every day. And then uh, the part that ran yesterday, this is the front page below the fold section of yesterday's Oregonian. This is by uh, Peter Carlin. Jeff Allen insists the whole thing is it. Here's this is, by the way, this is this is the phrase that tells you all you need to know. Jeff Allen insists the whole thing is a huge misunderstanding. <laughs> So former news director, so he's not there anymore? He says it's a blatant, malicious, personal attack on me. Still, says Peter Carlin, writing in the Oregonian, there are some things Alan has to admit. He was the proprietor of a website called House of Sir J. The lifestyle described on the site involves the sexual practice known as BDSM. Sarah, do you know Blogging? what the do you know what the four letters in BDSM stand for? Bind Blogging? No. <laughs> No, it does not stand for buying or blogging. What is it? BDSM? Uh, yes. Ba ba binding? No, but you're closer. Dominatrix? It, uh, well, it's it's in that same area. You don't know? No, I know um, sadomasochism, right? Okay, so sadism and masochism. Uh, the B and D stand for anything? 
Body double? Not so much blogging as it is flogging. It's bondage, discipline, sadism, and masochism. So was he um, bonding and disciplining? Well, Sarah, he doesn't <laughs> quite describe his role in the creation and sale of Sir Jay's line of handmade products, including collars, leashes, and floggers. He's more eager to explain how the enterprise, since closed, is part of, but replaced by another site that he owns, is part of a year-long multimedia investigation into a variety of American subcultures, including, he says, bikers, lesbians, gays, the BDSM community, and other avenues. The work involves many other researchers, all of whose identities must be protected, he says, which is why Peter wasn't allowed to speak to any of these that alleged researchers. so insane. Two ex-spouses and one former employee say Allen's interest in bondage is something other than academic. Jeff Allen, former news director at Coin TV, insists the whips and floggers are part of his research. I long to say the same thing, but one thing seems obvious. Call him Sir Jay, call him Jeff Allen, or call him Jeff Brent. He's led quite a colorful existence. So wow. there you go. Yeah, we used to have post show meetings like after when I was doing, you know, morning news on really? Klein. That's so weird. Yeah, he I mean he So was he always, would never show any of that stuff. Is that where it would like didn't show me those floggers or anything? Really? When you when he felt that maybe like your traffic reporting wasn't quite up to snuff, he didn't itch to demonstrate that to you in a very special way? No, he didn't give me a spanking. Sarah, why did Boy, I didn't even say that. I was just thinking maybe a stern talking to. <laughs> and then maybe some gagging. Uh, I'm just sort of picturing Jeff Allen in like one of those black masks with a zipper mouth. Where he's, Sarah, I'm very disappointed in the way that you did the traffic today. No, We're going was, to have to speak about it. He was nice. He did seem kind of smart, beautiful. Looked at you like you were a milkshake. He um, he he was kind of suave. You know, like uh, he was entertaining to talk to. Like he was always a really nice guy. But and that's why he's bizarre. called Master Jay. <laughs> Master Jay. He didn't make us call him that in the newsroom. Thank God. Master Jay sounds like a sex act of some kind. I'm just sort of picturing him all uh, dressed up like the Gimp in Pulp Fiction. So if, wait, if his wait. name is Master Jay, then that means he is the beater, right? Because if he's the master, I, I guess I, they're just a beating motion right now with their hand <laughs> just to demonstrate what you're talking about. I'm just. Sort of a, uh, so now what, we're going to have a very special demerit system here. Any mistakes in the traffic will be dealt with accordingly. <laughs> and then it's just like a tongue coming out of the zipper hole. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, it's easy for you because you don't have to associate a face with and then, that. And then Ving Rames chokes him with a chain. <laughs> That's fantastic. Tell me more about the congestion on I-5. Oh, my God. <sighs> Katie, who I used to work well, so with. Also, he wore that mask during those meetings? I didn't say that was true. Oh. Tim, you said that. Yeah, Katie, who was one of the anchor people that I worked with, um, lives in Arizona now. I must be writing her an email and letting her know. Yes. It's all very exciting. All right. Also exciting is our three-part interview with Harry Shearer of Spinal Tap and Simpsons fame. So in a really abrupt and uncomfortable segue, we'll just go to that. Uh, so uh, you can find that more about Harry Shearer at harryshearer.com or unwigged.com, which is the website for this unwigged and unplugged uh, tour that he, Michael McKean, and Christopher Guest are doing. In this final segment, he talks more about working on The Simpsons and what might lie ahead for the folks in Spinal Tap. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, Harry Shearer on The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Your entry in the show business was... Uh, if if I've heard the story correctly, and I may not have, was a little bit of, of happenstance. It was your piano teacher, mm -hmm. as I understand. She became an agent. Mm -hmm. or, or mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And she she decided to quit being a piano teacher. I like to think I helped her in that career move. She was your entree into that world. You mentioned the Jack Benny. Yeah, she uh, got me an audition to the show. Jack Benny show. Was it the radio show or the, and the TV show or both? Not, both. Uh, I started on the radio show and then and then did both the radio and TV show. It my, was like the last days of his radio show. My program director is uh, fixated on the fact that you were in Abbott and Costello Goes to Mars. That's very sad for him. <laughs> well, we have small lives here in Portland. It's uh, <laughs> to make our own fun. Yeah. Uh, one day's work. Met Costello, never met Abbott. He was just in the trailer brooding and breaking things? Uh, oh, yeah, or, or trying to be a straight man, you know, being trying to be straight. In one of... Uh, that doesn't mean anything. It's just a play on words. Do you uh, take issue uh, to any degree with uh, big-budget animated films using celebrity voices instead of professional voice actors? Oh, I don't know if I take issue. I've, I did uh, a couple of Disney uh, films... Uh, so I guess I, I fell into the the low end of that uh, thing. It's just not as much fun because it, their way of doing the the uh, the acting is that you come in, everybody comes in separately, and you just read your lines kind of at random. So you don't really know what you're reacting to, and you've never you never hear any of the other performers that you're relating to, and so the editors really build the the performances and. It works for them, obviously. They, they've had some success with the animation thing at the Disney Studios. But uh, in terms of acting, I think you get more – something that more approaches real acting if actors can hear each other's performances. And that's the whole idea of acting is you, you hear what the other person does and, and you tailor your response accordingly. It's not just made up out of the blue. This is why we do my, my poor man's James Lipton and say, acting is reacting. And <laughs> there are perhaps no more finely tailored reactions than in this is Spinal Tap. It, it, you're, you're missing about 250 index cards that are to refer to to do your lip, the, the proper Lipton. But I also yes. need to look out at the audience occasionally to see that they are aware of my mystique. Mm -hmm. and, uh, my and, to, and to see that, the, that all the audience, which are, by the way, students uh, for credit at his school, are still there and not taking toilet breaks, so, you know, so he can't p take, take credit off for them. Lipton does a lot of that. Um, Please pay the closest of attention to my cerebral heft. <laughs> At the opposite end of, of the spectrum is is The Simpsons, of course. Did you did you know from the very beginning how good the show was? Uh, I knew it was very good. Um, I I knew that Matt uh, was excellent, and I knew that Jim had a great pedigree, Jim Brooks. So the two co-creators, uh, you know, came in with with great uh, credentials, uh, and the show uh, just seemed to me during the early weeks just got better and better, and kind of just started this machine started roaring with life and and power uh but we were on a network that at the time uh most people in most cities needed to use uh coat hangers as as antennas to receive the channels they were on they were on like 53 and 72 and stuff and so uh there was no expectation that even the network would stick around let alone the show you know if you look at i mean we were on at the same time as the new adventures of beans baxter and George C. Scott as Mr. President. I mean, that was Fox. It really was a uh, it was a network that I, it really seemed to be that you sometimes you held together with bailing wire. But it was mm -hmm. sort of the bailing wire was on layaway. It was just sort of held together with uh, promises sort of, the, of promises of of spit. <laughs> exactly, spit to come. Spit to come. <laughs> uh, during the the late nineties, there was this 
I guess what we will charitably call um, a difference of opinion um, regarding some of the, the contracts for The Simpsons. And Fox made these insane noises at the time uh, about recasting or threatening to recast. Mm-hmm. And do you know if, if A, if, if those those threats uh, were were real and and do you have any idea who would who they were even considering for such for such a thing uh answer yes to both questions uh um they um did call agents and and uh other people around the country to try to and and they may have even held some auditions i don't know um but i will tell you a, a wonderful and and one of the few heartwarming stories i know about show business they went to the, the voiceover world in Hollywood is a very small world um, because, you know, people can do a million characters and so that you call the same people over and over again. So there, it really is a small little group of royalty. And I'm not talking about the, the Simpsons people because we basically, with a couple of exceptions, only do the Simpsons. But I'm talking about the people who really make their living from doing everything in, in, in animation and voiceover work. And they called the A people. Uh, in the voiceover world and said, how would you like to replace these guys? And they all said, uh-uh, that's their gig. And that was never publicized. Uh, and I didn't find out about it until about eight months later. And I just thought, that never happens. That solidarity does, again, seem to be the exception to wow. the accepted order yeah. of things. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Is and that because of the insular nature of that particular craft? I think it's because they were making enough money. And- <laughs> They were, they were doing uh, fine. I'm busy. I, uh, I, I, I could squeeze it in between 10.15 and 10.30, but otherwise I'm booked. The Simpsons... No, it was because they were, they were, as the uh, Jews say, menches. The Simpsons is at 20 years, Spinal Tap at, at 25, and for different reasons, it does seem like uh, your characters in both of those projects could probably go on ad infinitum. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because you're not seen. The other, because the joke sort of becomes more and more potent as mm-hmm. the years as the years go on. Mm-hmm. In In your head, do you see... Do you ever see a time where, where it where it wouldn't work? Oh, I mean, you know, uh, in a joke way, yeah. I mean, uh, we see like a, a next real Spinal Tap tour being, you know, on crutches and walkers, uh, and and in, in wheelchairs, the real Steel Wheels tour, uh, and uh, but aside from that, no, I, you know, uh, we're we. We've just finished up a new Spinal Tap record. Uh, we're going to do uh, one show, a, a one-city world tour, a one-night-only world tour in uh, Wembley in uh, London in July. Uh, we're going to do a Spinal Tap book next year. Um, you know, a, a a mediocre rock band getting older uh, is is sort of good good subject matter for for laughs to us, and and also we know these. Speaking for myself, I'd say I know Derek better than I know any other character I've ever done because I've done him longer and more more consistently than any other character I've played. So uh, I read somewhere actually, Mr. Burns is your favorite, maybe your favorite, either your favorite character or favorite voice, maybe maybe both. Yeah, because there was a purity to the to the character. P- well, he's pure evil. Yeah, so many evil people make the mistake of trying to dilute it with uh, emanations of do goodism, but Burns is smarter than that. It's it, that's my you know sort of joke answer. My real answer is because he reminds me of so many people I've worked for, and and some I still do. And vocally, his his uh, is is he based on someone? Or no one, no one. And uh, you know it changed. Uh, avid Simpsons watchers will note that he kind of 
the voice kind of migrated or evolved between season one and uh, the later seasons. Um, and I don't really know why, except that uh, I didn't watch a lot of season one before we came in to do season two. So it was sort of trying to remember what we had right. done six months earlier. And, you know, now, of course, it's it's stuck in me. But uh, it sort of, my my... You know, the stupid way that actors talk about their characters, you know, it's like uh, the voice sort of migrated to where Mr. Burns wanted to be. Right. You know, but that's so just he, actor talk. He was pure evil without nuance, and he appears to be based on no one mm -hmm. uh, in real life. So perhaps he's just uh, your externalized id. Uh, perhaps he springs from a deep uh, place. My, my id is meaner than Mr. Burns. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Burns is the, uh, is the smithers to your actual dark side. <laughs> that's correct. Uh, and my final question, actually, is just someone who loves language and clearly someone who appreciates the sound and the, the music of certain words mm. when they are strung together. I have to ask, um, what is the uh, grammar or uh, punctuation error that irritates you the most? Oh, uh, easy. Uh, the bottom line is, is that it's the repeat of the verb is as if the is is connected to the noun that precedes it and it therefore has to be followed by a real verb even though it's the same word. And you hear the... Yeah, the thing that bothers me, is, bothers me is is that... And you'll hear it all... You start looking for it, and you hear it over and over again. The double is is just like crazy. And it, they seem chained to the, the chain together. The, the way that certain rock stations feel compelled to take two tracks on a record that really don't have to be played back-to-back, -back, but there's some law handed down from the Paleolithic era that you must play Living, Loving, Maid, and Heartbreaker back-to-back -back always... <laughs> For, well, why? Because you do. Because it's Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. Two for Tuesday. Yeah. All right, there you go. That is the uh, conclusion of our three-part interview with the one and only Harry Shearer. And after that, it just uh, devolves into a bunch of wanky uh, radio anecdotes, uh, uh, some of which, by the way, were so profane uh, that I could not play them on the air, even with a lot of editing. So did he do, like, the Smithers voice eventually? Uh, he did. Uh, uh, he does the Lovejoy thing, and I think uh, in the full interview, he does a little bit of the Burns voice. Um, where he demonstrates oh, the, uh, the transition from season one to like uh, season three. Oh, or whatever. That's awesome! So, that was outstanding. It was yeah. He's uh, just a no, just a just a scary smart guy. I mean, really, really smart. Uh, just a very nice, very grounded, very cool guy. So that is uh, the final part of our Harry Shearer interview. You'll be able to hear the whole thing unedited in one long. It's like forty minutes or something, thirty-five minutes long. Uh, hear that online. We're going to put that up at kufo.com uh, later in the week as well as the forty-minute uh, Queensrÿche live performance from Saturday featuring sound lucidity and uh, and so forth. All right. Hey, you may have been raised, uh, as my wife was, not so much by wolves, uh, but by spice wimps, which is uh, kind of what she calls her parents. Because, you know, Provo and, you know, Mormon. Uh, and so you go, and it's just like, you know, do you have any spice for this? And it's like outcomes like the, uh, you know, outcomes like like that that thing of black pepper that they bought at like the Safeway or something. And like, there you go. That's, well, I don't know. That's might be a little a little too much spice for you. And it, I mean, you, you, I mean, if you raise that way, you just have no notion of what's good, what's bad in terms of spice or or adding a heat to a dish or flavor. And so you just fall in sometimes just buying uh, stuff that's not very good because you just don't know any better. And it, you don't really know what a bad hot sauce tastes like until you have a really good hot sauce. And you can spend a lot of time trying to find a great hot sauce. And I'll tell you, I'm going to simplify the whole thing right now. Secret Aardvark Habanero Hot Sauce. Uh, the website is secretardvark.com. That's aardvark with two A's. Secret Aardvark 
Caribbean.com, and it's a Caribbean Southwestern-inspired hot sauce. It has uh, got habanero in it, and it's all natural, which means, I mean, which means that it's all natural. It means it is not uh, made with a series of chemicals that are supposed to mimic the flavor of something. It actually is those things created in a recipe right here in Portland. It's a Portland company. You can find it at uh, all the new seasons markets at Portland Area Whole Foods. You can go to the website, find out more locations. If you don't see it at your uh, restaurant, you don't see it at your store, you got to ask for it. Secret Aardvark. Dot com. Once you get it, it is going to be your most frequently used sauce, spice, and condiment. It is Secret Aardvark Abanero Hot Sauce. One sauce to rule them all. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. This email says about Jeff Allen, this has, to be a ne- uh, this has to become a plot of the next season of Mad Men. Don Draper can get wrapped up in some BDSM thing with his wife, trying to bring the spice back. Also, how did Sarah not know what BDSM stood for? Doesn't she hang out with Storm? Well, well I do have a friend who's a dominatrix, too. You got the... So not a... Um, she no, she, she doesn't, doesn't engage in relations. No, no, not even like... Oh, this is just like a... Not even kissing or anything, just a... Lick the sole of my boot. Yes, like you're a piece of crap. I'm going to use you as a footstool while I read a book. Brent, I think you know what you need to do with that. This is, oh. I, no, no, no. I worked mm. with a woman in Utah who did this, and there was no, uh, she had no uh, sexual relations with the guys at all. I mean, the, the guys were clearly, like, getting off on it, but I, but it's that uh, she would uh, just have them, like, uh, like scrub, like, you know, scrub out my toilet, you know, or whatever, but, like, mm-hmm. put on a dress first. Uh, and it was, but it was always, like, guys who were really... Like guys who were really rich, or guys who would, they ran some some big powerful company, uh, not a few of them uh, church members, and they would come over and she would you know you know who's an obedient girl I am you know and it would be like some fifty year old guy who was like worth a billion dollars, you know you know and she would just do my behind my refrigerator is filthy go clean it now. And so she said that, like, you know, she would just be at home, you know, like watching TV and there'd be some guy in the kitchen, like on all fours, <laughs> scrubbing out from behind the refrigerator. So it's a combination of improv and house cleaning. Exactly, Tim. Uh, well, it's the opposite of like, I remember when I lived in Washington, there was this thing they were like, um, there were some girls who were making money because they would come clean your house in the nude. And it apparently was all very up and up uh, in the sense that there was no uh, contact of any kind. They wouldn't. Were even, they attractive or inattractive? I believe they would have to be because otherwise. Because otherwise they just well, show up at your... Washington State. You're, it's, it's I, oh, well, you're grading on a curve, Tim. Uh, but, I, I mean, it's... I mean, they weren't... It's not like they were L.A. attractive, but they probably weren't Salem attractive. <laughs> but but they but I guess they show up at the door, you probably... And they were hideous. You just said, like, well, no, I'm, I'm not paying for that. Do you want me to show you? Okay. I don't know if this is... No, but we're in the in the safe room, so I can't do what anything. What are you showing me? Maybe um, my dominatrix friend sent me a picture of one of the guys. Mm. He's not nude or anything. And his face, and there's a black bar over. His oh, face. so I don't know who he is because no. I feel like that that would be wrong. I wouldn't, no, no, no. That's not my there's a rubber mask over his face. Well, I no, don't. She wanna... keeps it completely anonymous. Like I, okay. I can't, I can't even see what it's. Yeah, like I wouldn't, like. I wouldn't. That's not my business. No. of course. So uh, the <laughs> uh, customer X, okay. Mr. X. So this is. Wait, hold on. So this is a photo. So this is your female friend. Is she hot? Oh yeah. Let's call her. I like you to say. Oh yeah. No, she's beautiful. <laughs> like you. Let's call her hot. What celebrity does she uh, most closely resemble? I don't know. She's kind of she's she's kind of Latina looking, but um, I, I don't I don't want to specify her too much. But, but she's very she's attractive. very very pretty. All yeah. right, and so she doesn't have relations with these guys. She just demeans them, and then they no, pay for it. No, just demeans them. Does she ever have to hit them? Yes. Really? Yeah. Fantastic. All it right. Depends, it all depends on what they pay for. You know, here's the thing. Can I just say this? Uh, see, I'm on that edge of revealing too much, but uh, it, here's the thing. I'll just say this. 
like that's not my like I'm not uh, this is not my deal. Like I don't I don't want to be like even by a hot girl like tied up and just like can I tie you up and hit you in the face with a shoe? Like I that does in no way does that appeal to me. Like I don't that, that is not I'm just and I think I'm way too um I'm way too type A for that. Like I don't I don't and I know that they say sometimes that guys or I guess people but guys who are really type A, guys who are very cuz I'm a control freak as everybody sort of mm-hmm. knows. I mean I'm very hyper focused on detail and I don't like to you know sort of not have control. And I think sometimes they say that guys or women too but in this case guys who are very hyper controlling that they're the ones who like to go to something like this cuz mm-hmm. they like to be in a safe place where they don't have to be in control. No, she said she has like super rich men who who come right. in who are like, you know, power brokers and lawyers and business owners who and she's says that she's recognized some of her clientele. And like, she totally, and they want a safe jobs. place where they don't have to be in control yep. of things. And so, but that doesn't, see, that doesn't appeal to me. I have no desire to sort of be, now nah, I was going to tell another, the, the, the fact that nobody cares about. <laughs> I'm just going to say that I, the, the, many, many years ago, I, uh, there's a uh, woman that I knew in Utah who at, at one point uh, decided that that was like a thing she was really into. Like she was, she was kind of, uh, she like she was sort of sort of docile and whatever, and she was like, you know, I've I've been thinking about trying that, you know, the 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 domin the domination thing where I'd be really dominant. You wanna you wanna try that some night just so I can see how it goes? And I was like, I, no, I, all right. And so I like this one ill advised night. I like I, I agreed to sort of. I mean, it wasn't like she was making me scrub the uh, the furniture or whatever. But it was just like she wanted to be like real bossy and like be in charge of everything. And I got about, like, like, no, that doesn't go. I got like five minutes into it, and I'm like. Baby, I, I, this is, I feel silly. I, I can't, I can't do this. This mm. is ridiculous. So that's totally not my deal. But here's what is kind of hot. Like, I'm not into the idea of being the guy who, who she pushes around. But you know what? I am, uh, I am, uh, re- I do really find it hot. Uh, like, the, um, like the notion of a woman being like in that powerful position is pretty hot. It's just like, as long as it's not over me. Like, mm-hmm. if I could just sort of sit and watch that. Um, like that's fine. It I'd doesn't be into directly that. impact you. Well, that's the thing. Like I don't like. I'm not like. I don't want to be the guy that she puts in a tutu and then she's like putting out cigarettes on my tongue or something. Um, All but right, so that that's what she looks like. Oh wow! Why she looks like an anchor woman? Yeah, she's striking, so to speak. Um, <laughs> but a bing. So yeah, see, because I find, and a lot of guys aren't like this. Like I find powerful women to be really sexy. Uh, I think a woman who has any amount of power, that's, I find that really hot. Like a Martha Stewart? And so, yeah, and so the idea, or like, Mar- again, like, I couldn't do it because I can't really be, like, submissive. It's just not in me. Um, but the idea of just sort of, like, hanging out while she just, like, beats a guy with a yardstick or something, mm-hmm. or she just, like, bend over so I can cane the backs of your feet, that'd be, you know, I'd be, I'd be okay with that. All right. Well, did you want to see what the picture looked like that she sent me? Yes, yes, I do. Okay, ready? Yes. Yes. Ready? Yes. yes. All right. Sarah's I'm asked three times. Yes, Ready? I, I'm okay. Oh wow! Is he in a diaper? He's in a diaper. Now, does she bring those, or does the gentleman have to? I don't know if he's them? supposed to bring his own diaper or not. Maybe she carries them in her purse. I can't look away. You have I to know. Move the, move I know. the screen. I can't look away. But you know what I can do, Rick? I can't break. I can't break the. Uh, <laughs> he has one of those horse harnesses in his mouth. Is that a? It's a dog tag of some kind. Yeah, it's like um, like a. Like one of those bite things. Yeah. So how can he respond to her questions and commands? He doesn't. I think he has to blink Morse code, Tim. Okay. How long does this continue? Here's the... As as long as... Uh, I don't know. Maybe until the meter uh, runs out. I mean, because presumably he's paying by the hour for that sort of a thing. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like, you could not pay me enough... No. ...to be that guy. Me like, I just... There's <laughs> nothing... It. 
the whole it just feels so terribly unnatural and not like in a it's dirty way but just like i have no i i don't think it's in me to be to be submissive like that like regardless of who wants it or how nicely mm-hmm. they ask um but i will tell you like see like the notion that like that guy pays that hot girl to like stick him in a dog collar or something that makes her really hot mm-hmm. uh because uh and then uh, it also makes her uh Presumably wealthy, which is... Uh, Maybe she'll start her own franchise. Rick Emerson finds wealth uh, to be an aphrodisiac uh, <laughs> where women are concerned. All right. Well, we should take a break here before this turns all sticky. Uh, it's the uh, Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Don't go anywhere. Broadcasting from the greatest city on earth. Our phone lines are open. <laughs> Caller 10 gets my seed. The Rick Emerson Show returns. That's that's not true. I mean, not today. Why did you even say that? I don't know. <laughs> Why would I have used that phrase? It's kind of uh, what is true right now is, uh, as we uh, bring today's program to an end, uh, Caller 10 right now wins a copy of American Swing on DVD. Uh, it's like all the perversion all the time. Copy, uh, Amer- Caller 10 right now gets a copy of American Swing on DVD. Take a walk on the wild side of New York City in the 70s with a look into the world's most famous sex club, Plato's Retreat. American Swing, available now on DVD from Magnolia Home Entertainment, featuring uh, interviews with Ron Jeremy and other luminaries. That is Caller 10 right now at 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. We are now in the uh, saddest uh, portion of the broadcasting day, the final segment of The Rick Emerson Show. Tim Riley, what were today's big headlines? Well, depending on who you ask, the Craigslist <laughs> killer is either a geeky bowler, a school bully, an awfully nice kid, or someone who hates people. That missing Salem monkey is found, and the monkey didn't bite anyone. It's because the monkey has no teeth. All right, excellent. Uh, on that note, we want to thank uh, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum for joining us today. Also, uh, actress Ali Larder, who joined us. Uh, tomorrow, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week and something else. Mr. Oh, Mr. Skin? Skin from MrSkin.com. Thank you so much. All right, the Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for Rock 101 KUFO. In the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones. Greg Nibbler of the Nibblonians. The gatekeeper is Dave Zinn. The webmistress, Bridget from upstairs. Uh, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Don't F With Me Reynolds. Uh, sound engineering by Brent Brizendine. Executive producer, one Christopher J. Paddock. Uh, our good friend Buzz has Smells Like the 90s next at 9 o'clock. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening, my friends. Uh, be safe. See you tomorrow. It is April 22nd, 2009, and that is the frequency, Kenneth. Bye now. The safe word is...